movie. Yeah. Halloween Havoc is about to start. Look, you have been picking houses all night long. Now it's my turn. Yeah, that's only because we ended up with two pieces of last year's Christmas fruitcake from the last one you picked. Yeah. Whatever house you pick better be good. Good? You want good? This will be better than good. This one will be great. I will. Oh, no! My movie! Killer Kids. Featuring the films, It's Alive. Hunting and killing babies doesn't seem to be my specialty. Children of the Corn. Out yonder! your woman! And Itch Sing, Itch Sing. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another spooky episode of My Movies Better. I'm Count Dracula. Ooh. I'm Dylan. Hello, Dylan. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm not Count Dracula. So. I'm not Dylan. Um, welcome to episode 36 of My Movies Better. This week, I don't know why I let in with Dracula, because this week we watched movies about killer kids. <laughs> no vampires so at been, all. should have done something about, uh, what was that movie with the killer kids? Uh, each Day, Each Day, or oh. perhaps Children of the Corn. Just started speaking in or, German at or the maybe, beginning. Or maybe It's Alive. Those are the three movies we watched this week in reverse order. Um, and they're all about kids who kill. Mm-hmm. So spoiler alert, uh, this this episode features children killing adults and other kids in some form or another. Yep. So if you don't like that, well, too bad. We're going to talk all about it. Yep, that's the plan. <laughs> um, Murderers. So, but before we do that, as always, we have to talk about weird movies. And our weird movie of the week this week is a little film called The Scorpion King 4. Quest for Power. It is a 2015 direct-to-video sword and sorcery film released on Netflix on January 6, 2015 and later on home media. And is the fourth installment in a a movie series I did not know about. Uh, I knew there were two of them, but I never knew that there were four of them. Yeah. Yes, The Scorpion King. Um, And this one particularly... Stuck out to me because it features Victor Webster in the title role, who I have no idea who he is, um, but he was he is an actor of some sort. But it also starred Lou Ferrigno, uh, who played the Incredible Hulk in the '70s TV show. <laughs> uh, Ritger Hauer, rest in peace, one of my favorite actors of all time. Hoyce Gracie, I think that's how you say his name, who is a legendary MMA fighter, and uh, I bl- I'm pretty sure he's. I know he's from the Gracie family. I think he's the first ever. UFC heavyweight champion, if I remember correctly. Oh if shit. not, he was w- he's the most the most influential uh, okay. champion ever. He's multiple time champion, real tough fighter from like a Bra- Brazilian Jiu Jitsu legendary family, the Gracie family. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. It also starred Roy Nelson, uh, who is like I think a football player or something. So this is just like a whole bunch of schlock coming at you. But like in in that you have like random B and and some A actors in Rutger Hauer, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It just it just stuck out to me. Um, it was also another interesting thing about it I- is that David Hayter, 
uh, known better as the voice of Solid Snake in the Metal Gear Solid video games, yeah, was yeah. one of the screenwriters. No way. Of this movie, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and then I also found out he was a screenwriter, and I did not know that. So, interestingly enough, that's a fun fact. Yeah, you can learn something um, <laughs> if you if you research movies. Yeah, oddly enough. So, well, we're gonna take a quick break. And then we're going to come back and we're going to dive right into Larry Cohen's 1974 film, It's Alive. It's Alive. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Tony Fox, Tony Fox Waffles, Waffles, and Tyron. And Tyron. 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 You see that little guy? My movie. Better. What is it? I don't know what it's called. What is it called? Kevin. Dylan. Ready? Son of a bitch. You're trying to tell me that I can dodge bullets? The wrong side of the river. I'm Michael George. Stop it. Get some help. Tony the president's daughter in the old bean factory off the 101. Billy, what's his name show? Nothing in all my years of watching movies have prepared me for this. A film with a plot so silly that anyone not named Larry Cohen would have turned and run away screaming at the very thought of even scripting such nonsense. A film that boldly says killer babies, now that's scary, doesn't somehow spontaneously combust under the veracity of its own claim. A film that aside from all that is still entertaining, frightening, well acted, and sometimes intentionally and unintentionally hilarious. It has a score from the legendary Bernard Herrmann, and features that guerrilla style of filmmaking that I love, and I guess, I just, I don't know, it looks like hunting and killing babies doesn't seem to be my specialty. That's such a crazy line. I know, it's my favorite line. <laughs> it was, I was like, wait, did he really just say that? Yeah, dude, it's unreal. In the film, it's alive. That's very wise. Disassociate yourself emotionally. Just sign each copy, please. Pen? Give him a pen. You know, it seems that out of every tragedy, out of every evil, some good can come if we only apply ourselves. Suppose that's going to be in all the uh, medical journals, history books. Huh? Davis Child, the Davis Monster. Frankenstein. In my opinion, this will be remembered long after each of us is forgotten. When I was a kid, I always thought the monster was Frankenstein. You know, Karloff walking around in these big shoes grunting. I thought he was Frankenstein. And I went to high school and I read the book and I realized that Frankenstein was the doctor who created him. And how the identities get all mixed up, don't they? It's Alive was my pick for this week. Um, it's a 1974 American horror film. As you mentioned, it's written, produced, and directed by uh, Larry Cohen. Uh, in the film, a couple is expecting a second child, and uh, when the baby is born, it turns out to be a mutant that kills people when oh, it gets scared. A horrible monster baby. Yeah, oh, yeah a fucking monster <laughs> baby. Um, so... 
more important people mentioned in it, as you said before, too. Uh, Bernard Herman did the score, which is really awesome. It feels like a weird kind of Twilight Zone episode Definitely. the whole time. Definitely. Um, and uh, he worked with Alfred Hitchcock a whole bunch. Um, Rick Baker, uh, legendary makeup and puppeteer who worked on Star Wars, Thriller music video, Wild Wild West, and a whole ton of other shit. Yeah, like a lot uh, of other shit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> those three things alone, like, those are serious things. I just picked those ones out because they were fun. Yeah, like, dude, <laughs> I mean, everybody knows all those. Uh, and so he did makeup and puppet effects for the uh, baby. Um in the cast is starring John P. Ryan as Frank Davis. Uh, Andrew Duggan is in that. Uh, Sharon Farrell, uh, Guy Stockwell, and James Dixon. Hell yeah. Yeah, we got some cool taglines too. Taglines, yeah. Whatever it is, it's alive. It's alive. And deadly. <laughs> it's so perfect. <laughs> Let me tell you, there's only one thing wrong with the Davis baby. It's alive. It's alive. <laughs> Yeah, like it's like a sitcom yeah. fucking thing. <laughs> it was born three days ago. It has killed seven people. Its parents are human beings. It's alive. Whatever. I don't know if this is still part of it. I think it is, though. Whatever it is, it's alive. It's alive. Yeah, because it's got the shading, so I think that is one. Right, yeah, yeah. It's alive. Yeah. It, there's a lot for this one. It's a newborn. It's alive. It's alive. And murder is what it knows best. <laughs> the one film you should not see alone. Save your screams until you see its face. Bum, Which they bum, do pretty bum. good at not showing you its face. Yeah, they do that time. really good. Or you might say bad. Yeah, it's oh, bad. Because you literally barely <laughs> get to see it. It's alive. It sucks. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's it, not a good puppet. <laughs> no, no, but it's like, it's like they just, it's one of those where I think they knew it. So they, they kept it back and they tried to go more for like, Oh, is it there? Is it there? It, you know, sort of like, I don't know. It just yeah. It, it, it they knew that they didn't have a good puppet, so they didn't overuse it. I yeah, guess that was definitely good. Yeah, yeah, definitely a smart move by I, them. I I kind of felt like they should have showed it more, but that you know whatever. Yeah, I agree. But once you see the reveal, it's like oh, I get True. I get why they didn't show it. So this uh, has an estimated budget of a half million dollars, and I was like, what? When I found out that it made worldwide gross of 7.1 million dollars like and that makes sense because i think that's how larry cohen got like a lot of, this is how he got a lot of his career was the success of this movie and he was able to then go make the stuff which we covered before and other films that he, the other films that he's made so yeah. like yeah make a movie yeah, for peanuts and then make a fuck ton of money off of it i was not expecting it to have made th to have been that successful yeah for especially 1974 that's Seriously. more like 20 million or more probably by today's standards yeah with such a low budget too that's perfect mm -hmm. and like a nothing cast like i unless you i don't think anybody listening is going to know who any of those actors are maybe guy stockwell or john p davis but like they're just they're from like a totally different era, you know. Yeah. It's just, and, and none of them were like super famous, so it's in, it's just interesting to me how successful it was. Yeah, it's odd. Um, and it did have a little bit of a tough time, like this stuff, getting to the theater. Uh, upon completing it, Cohen found the executives who backed the production had been replaced, and the new executives are like, "No, thanks, we don't want to fucking deal with this." Yeah. Um, so it got a one theater run. That's right. A one theater in Chicago, single theater. That's it. One theater in the country, one month. in the world, in the universe. 
um, through April and May 1974, and then a limited release in October. Uh, it drew respectable business, as we said, but the company still did not fully support the project. It was reissued in March 1977 after the executives who had been sacked had been sacked. Oh, my God. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Uh, and so there was a new uh, TV advertisement, in the and it was, as we said, it was re-released, and uh, th- it had a TV advertisement that showed a baby carriage with the music, Rockabye Baby, and then a claw came out, and a voiceover said, there is only one thing wrong with the Davis baby. It's alive. It's alive. Our, our tagline from above. And apparently that ad worked, and it drew 7.1 million, as we said. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah. So it was one of those where like the trailer got people into the theater. Yeah, yeah. And, and it sounds like it went through a pretty similar production hell as like, or not, I guess not really production, but like post production. Yeah, yeah, hell definitely. As, like definitely. the universe did or something, you know. Also, a portion of the movie was filmed at the now defunct Dog Patch USA theme park in Arkansas. Um, I don't know if you know what Dogpatch is. It's a town in a comic strip uh, called Little Abner, which is a very old comic strip about like a redneck guy, and uh, yeah, that's where yeah, he I lives. Did not know that. And Dogpatch USA was a theme park in the South in Arkansas that was made uh, like a little, little Abner theme park. So what yeah, the hell? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is so exactly. bizarre. Yeah, very bizarre. Um, uh, yeah, that, uh, pff, I'm gonna have to look some of those pictures up because I ca- like trying to think of what in the movie seemed like a theme park. <laughs> and I feel like there was definitely a part where he went to see some carnies, but like, I don't really. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was the part where he was like, "Oh wait, no, I'm thinking of a totally different movie. <laughs> I'm thinking of this <laughs> British movie with like." That was another killer baby movie. Oh my god, how did that happen? I forget <laughs> what it's called, but it was another killer. Killer babies aren't festing <laughs> your brain. <laughs> it was a killer baby movie where this lady like slept with a a little person. Um, in the movie they called him a dwarf. So th- there you go. Um, but then he was like evil, and his name was Hercules, and he was trying to kill her, and he chased her through a theme park. And literally, that's what I was thinking. I thought that was what in this movie, fuck? and then I was oh like, wait, no. God. No, Hercules wasn't in this Well, movie. I'm going to watch that movie, and we'll talk about yeah, it later. Yeah, it's called, like, it's... Uh, I'll, I'll look up the title later and put it in here. Hell yeah. I don't want to be born. The cover has, like, a baby that's, like, a hand running with, like, baby legs. It's, like, a hand... I don't know. I could, I'll, it, you can't explain it. Yeah, it's we'll crazy figure looking. it all out. I think it's holding, like, scissors or something. But anyway. Jesus. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, scratch that part. I still yeah, don't know what there the theme park been, would be. There must have been be a really theme park bizarre. at some point. Um, so, <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, it's pretty pretty approved. It's got a 75% approval rating based on 20 reviews. And its weighted average kind of blows 5.9 out of 10. Um, Metacritic, which assigns a normalized rating to reviews. Uh, the film has a weighted average of 72 out of 100. Uh, based on only six reviews, though. So, yeah, that's still not that great. Uh, you know, it's I think those are proper ratings, though, I guess. Yeah, because, uh, like, for the most part, it's good and engaging, but it's also a little bit, like, horribly boring. Yeah, it's really <laughs> dry. Uh, I don't think everybody's really into that filming style no. either. Like, it's he a lot of, like, really shaky camera work. And yeah, he takes a lot of risks with the camera, too, that are, like, there's one thing he does... Uh, I'm gonna call it. It's like the Kubrick zoom. It, he definitely tried to do that, where it's like all of a sudden it zooms in on someone's face. We saw a lot of that in The Shining. Yeah, it's like the reverse of his long back out shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
and he does it in this movie a couple times but it's it's like in weird moments that don't feel right for you to do that you know like it, there it's just it, it, there's a lot of weird choices i think overall in the direction um and i think by the time he got into the 80s and made the stuff he was way better at conceptual or, or you know conceptualizing or explaining to the cinematographer what he was going to get or maybe just had a better cinematographer right yeah, i don't yeah, know yeah. there was a couple Editor. scenes that like did you notice a couple scenes where they play it's the same shot played multiple times oh, in yeah. a row yep it's so i think that's so weird well they do that just to like fill time it's funny we were actually me and olivia were talking about this earlier today i put on the room mm-hmm. while we were like cleaning up and at one part we were talking about it and we we're talking about how in the room in the sex scenes they use the same cuts in the sex scenes and i was like i never get why directors think they can get away with that because i i just always notice it not like trying to be like oh i'm so smart i know it but i just it's so i feel like it's obvious i think yeah human beings notice when they're seeing the same video being played again yeah i mean know? and these ones aren't like using the same cuts cleverly these ones are like using the same cuts that almost yeah, feels like same, a record scratch yeah, and know? at the same length yeah exactly that's what, that's what makes it you you it's like deja vu or something. It triggers that same thing in your brain, yeah. and you're like, I saw that before. Exactly. Um, and a lot of them happened back to back. It was right. like the <laughs> shot, like in one of them when she's de- in the delivery room. Yes. Like camera pans from her to the doctor, and then the scene, it like cuts right back to her and just pans over to the doctor again. It's like the same shot. Yes. I'm like, I what the fuck was that? I know all exactly about? what you're yeah. talking about. Yep. <laughs> the first time, I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, wait a minute, hold on. I rewind. I was like, is this cu- there's no way it's fucked up because I rented it on Amazon. No, <laughs> and there's like it's definitely a staple of like bad and B movies because yeah, they totally. just they needed to fill more time, so they just added stuff here and there to plump out, you know, to get like a thirty seconds or a minute, you know, exactly, just and to stretch uh, that out a yeah, little bit. or to make something look like look like it flowed better. Yeah, but. Yeah, I just don't think why I don't get why they think they can pull the wool over the audience's no, eyes. Yeah. That. It I mean, really s- sticks out. Stylistically, it feels like a lot older of a movie than yeah. it is. Oh yeah, it. I actually made a comment about that when I was watching it. I was like, "What do they have a cinematographer from like 1932?" Seriously, <laughs> yeah, it feels like a 50s movie. It looked. It looked like it was being shot very similar to like uh, the Gene Kelly movie, there, American Paris. That yeah, we watched. It yeah, felt like that. Like I was. A lot of like stationary camera work and, mm-hmm. and stuff, and uh, I don't know. It just it, it was good, but it definitely was like amateur in a lot of aspects. Yeah, totally. Know? There's certain um, certain lighting things and certain just camera angles that I felt the cinematographer maybe thought was <laughs> uh, artsy and right. clever, but it. They really weren't. We're kind of glossing over the fact that the story is completely ridiculous, as oh, I said before. Oh, it's absolutely insane. The dialogue yeah. throughout the movie is insane. Yeah, like Lieutenant Perkins' line like that we mentioned earlier, where and we're not kidding if you haven't seen this. He literally said, hunting and killing babies doesn't seem to be my specialty. And then the other cop was like, what, do you want to get transferred? He's like, you little bitch. Yeah, what the like, fuck's wrong with kill you? Kill this baby. Kill this baby, yeah. <laughs> Hunt this baby. Hunt him down. <laughs> and like... There's a lot of stuff like that where you, it just it's like the film realizes that it has to point out what's going on, but like it probably shouldn't. And, and uh, like it's very serious and, and sometimes actually very frightening. It's effective in what it's trying to do. And yeah. then someone says that or there's a, I, I didn't write down, but there's another great line from from John P. Davis, who plays the father, where it was just like in a really tense moment. And he said something dumb. 
that like addressed the situation at hand, but like didn't need to be say said, and also made you just like laugh. At, yeah, and realize and pulled you out of the tense situation. You know, I feel like if you watch the movie with subtitles with no sound, it would be hilarious seeing all of his dialogue, like Frank's dialogue, right? Because right. the shit he says is just so weird. Like nobody talks like that. No, nobody no, says the things he does. Not at all. Um, so this movie was popular enough to spin off a whole series, a uh, trilogy, two more movies. In 1978, where, uh, Cohen followed it up with It Lives Again, which was about an epidemic of mutant monster babies sweeping America. Which is an insane <laughs> sentence to say. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it makes sense because the end of this movie does set you up for that. Yeah. Well, but he literally that doesn't make it right to do. You know, <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's the same thing. You know, w- you know, uh, Ridley Scott sat down when he was making Aliens, and he was like, you know, I gotta do what Larry Cohen did in in It's Alive One. I gotta make this scary movie a- about a scary thing. And and guess what? It's a baby. All right, it's a scary alien baby, right? And then and then like time went on, and then they you know they made. It's the lives again, and then they were trying to make the second Alien movie, and they're like, "Oh, well, we should go and do the same thing they did." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, basically, what I'm saying is a that Alien, <laughs> Alien is based on the, uh, the Killer Baby, It's oh Alive franchise. In my <laughs> yeah, at the time where actually fits up, but uh, the third movie was called It's Alive Three: Island of the Alive, and the mutant babies have been placed on a co- by court order on a deserted island appalled by the cynicism and exploitation of the children by the legal system and the media the man responsible for them leads an expedition to the island to free them oh my god <laughs> oh my and this god. was uh 1987 so this was uh quite a bit later about nine years well nine years later yeah uh, both shit. sequels were directed by cohen and the film was also remade in 2009 who did the remake? Anybody? Larry Cohen. He did. Yeah, he remade he it. He remade yeah. it. Oh. <sighs> yep. So there you go. Oh, Jesus I don't think he directed it, but he produced it, I believe. Okay. Um. Yeah, well, that's fucking strange. Yeah. Um. So on that day, it was October 18th that the movie came out. 1974, um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah. October 18th, 1974. Um, movies that came out that day were Airport 1975, Years <laughs> into the future, 1975. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Look this away. Look yeah, away. they say it like <laughs> it's this crazy futuristic time. Yeah. Um, the Odessa file, uh, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. So, so uh, that was huge. How do? Yeah. How much does that suck? But it, I guess I I did do a little research into it, and then Texas Chainsaw Massacre did didn't do as well as this film. So like my immediately oh thought really? that was yeah on the on like on the day. Okay. You know what I mean? Like this this film did better. When it came out, yeah, Obvious, okay, not, I gotcha, not I gotcha. in the long run, yeah, I'm yeah, saying, yeah. you know, yep. and so, but my initial thought was like, oh man, that sucks for it to come out on the same day as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but like, right, that, yeah, 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 that film was too, I feel like that film was too gory for its time and too f- fucked up for its time to Texas be, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah, yeah to yeah, be yeah. as mainstream yet. It needed that like word of mouth and video, yeah, to really, it wasn't really a whole big interest. I, I'm, I'm speaking from what I think at least you know i don't think like very gory like slasher type right. movies well, were like, really, yeah, really I mean, popular ha- in the mid 70s no halloween hadn't even come out yet right now you know was, like, so the like of it. yeah that was like oh uh, well that's like uh, i think the the film that every other slasher film copied after and it's obviously not the first 
because you know films like Texas Chainsaw Massacre had come out before, yeah, and obviously right, right. there's many other examples going back yeah. of stuff that at least could fit the genre. But like I think Halloween's the thing that started the craze. So it get you know it's like how Star Wars will get remembered as starting like this sort of sci-fi space opera craze of the 80s. Yeah, and right, and then so much shit. But th- yeah, but there was shit way before that, like yeah. Star Trek yeah, was, was around say, before yeah, Star that, Trek, you know. Like, um, so. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that those came out the same day. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when uh, Miller's Crossing came out, like, right before Goodfellas. Yeah, You're like, yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very interesting, especially because, like, this was, again, an October movie. So a lot of times this year you're going to see films that are attempting to uh, – cash in on the on the holiday so. yeah absolutely um and for music um i, I don't know how he d- we didn't do the location but oh <laughs> you missed wait you missed the other films around that oh yeah duh. okay um so around that time uh the taking of pelham 123 came out or one two three yeah uh, honestly one, never seen that movie it's ri- i wrote one two three but it's written out one two three the words yeah 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 <laughs> Greetings, it is I, the Count. Ah, that's one. One bat. Two. Two bats. Three. Three fabulous flyers. Ah, ah, ah. Okay, I've never seen it. I've, I've been told I, s- I should. I've seen parts of the remake on TV, but yeah, I've heard the original is very good. Yeah. Um, Benji came out that day, <laughs> or around that Benji. day. Um, I hated that movie when I was a kid. I was like, this is so fucking boring. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was a <laughs> shitty kid. My yeah. gran- I was watching my grandma. I was like, this sucks. <laughs> I hate this shit. I want to watch Disney Channel. <laughs> Under the Umbrella Tree. Or oh, whatever. my God, dude. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express came out around then, which is a great movie. And uh, The Godfather Part 2, which is the also a fucking epic movie. The best Godfather Yeah, movie. exactly. And music. I'll do the music this time. I never oh, yeah. do music. Uh, I Honestly Love You by Olivia Newton-John. Which, uh, oh wait, yeah, we gotta, yeah. It's definitely gonna be a ballad. It's gotta be a ballad. Let's see, come on. The Newts. Oh man, she's looking all ballady in this, this oh, thumbnail shit, is that clip. Oh, OMJ? Oh man, we got an oh ad. God, Don't listen dude, to the ad, everybody. It. Don't Toyota buy a Toyota. Doesn't pay us. Yeah, Don't buy a Toyota. Toyotas. Buy a Honda. <laughs> <laughs> just to spite them. Yeah, seriously. I'm probably gonna just cut most of this out anyway. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck Toyota. <laughs> Okay. What the fuck? What in the world is it? I bet a backbeat's gonna come in at any second. She's like yeah, looking think so. pensively through a window. Is she breaking into this house? What the heck is in happening? This, in the video? Oh, oh there's the backbeat. Oh. Okay, this kind of slaps right now. This is like the music that like your mom's listening to when you're a kid, and you're just like, "What the fuck is yeah, going on?" Yeah, <laughs> turn the shit yeah, off, mom. mom. What are you doing? <laughs> Trying to listen to the new InSync yeah. CD. Sorry, Olivia Newton-John, you are. Yeah, that's on fire. Yeah. But also uh, in music, our second song this week. I've actually never heard it. Uh, I've never listened to this song either. Um, unless it's just a song title that I don't recognize, but it is Knock on Wood by Davion Bowie. 
David Bowie. David Bowie. Hey, I'm David Bowie. <laughs> not actually. I'm doing a John Lennon voice oh for pretending God, I'm David Bowie. Um, let's see. Yeah, I don't recognize this. It's not like a self-titled album or something. Maybe. It's kind of groovy. I mean, it's definitely just like an unassuming Bowie track. I guess we could get... You, I was feel like you gotta wait for the chorus. It's okay. It's like I'm glad I'm glad that we got sort of an interesting track that we that we didn't know off right off the bat. Yeah. Here, that's a, that's a rare thing in these. Yeah, I mean, especially for a Bowie track too. Yeah, yeah, like that's, that's what that's I meant. Like Sorry, yeah, for yeah. someone we for an artist we know. Yeah, yeah. right. I'm like, what the heck is this song? Yeah. So in video games, uh, 1974 had several new titles, such as Shark Jaws, Speed Race, and Dungeon, uh, as well as Playmeter, the first magazine devoted to coin-operated amusements, including arcade games. Magna I just want to say real yeah. quick that I think it's funny when the video game stuff from these older times, because... You could just, like, every name was, like, up for grabs. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. This game's called Dungeon. Exactly. Like, oh, we're going to make a game where you race. We got a speed we race. Actu yeah, we <laughs> actually got another one coming up in a second here. I'll just jump right to it. Gary Wisenhunt and Ray Wood developed D&D. &D. Fuck yeah. Yeah, which was the first video game with a boss and arguably the first RPG. And uh, also, Magnavox reissued the Odyssey console, which is one of the early video game home consoles. Okay. Yeah, and they sucked. They're exactly. no fun to play. Fuck. What did your family do on those stay indoors rainy afternoons? Or on those cold, blustery winter days? Families who are content to let television do its thing often find themselves at its mercy for a choice of entertainment. While people who want television to do their thing entertain themselves with Odyssey. <laughs> The electronic game of the future, and the family's best foul weather friend. Yeah, you can emulate them though. I've played a couple actually a while ago when we, uh, I think I mentioned it too, um, when we covered Masters of the Universe. Mm -hmm. I played the. Oh yeah, yeah, there was that fucking weird game. It was a Masters of the Universe like Atari tie-in game, and it was smokes. so bad. It was terrible. Holy Jesus. Um. So, thoughts on the film? So this was your pick. Yeah. I picked this one. Why'd you pick this one? Um, because it's, I don't know, it's weird, man. Because um, it has a killer kid. Yeah, one, not, yeah. so 100% of the reason why I picked it is because it has a killer kid. Um, I think it's definitely off the beaten path for a movie of this style, especially of like a horror movie. Like, it, it doesn't have too much horror, but the scary bits are scary. Right. And, like, uh, there are things that kind of work against it. Like we were saying, a lot of the over-the-top filming, um, the all the all the gore looks like very fake. Right, Not, right. And I know, like in the seventies, a lot of gore didn't yeah, look great. It's anyways, stra strawberry jam looking. Yeah, gore. very very fake looking <laughs> blood, um, weird cuts, but the acting is surprisingly good. Uh, it's definitely a unique story. Yeah, for the time. Yeah, you definitely. know, and I think that it plays on like a lot of fears of parenthood and stuff like that mm -hmm. um but we'll i mean we'll get into that in a sec because yeah. uh we'll say at this point now it'd be basically spoiler territory um so if you haven't seen the film go watch the film um one of my biggest problems 
is that like it's unclear a lot of times what's actually going on other than like like it, not that you don't know what's happening but you feel like you're not being explained anything in 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 scenes are just kind of jumping one to another there are i'm going to say at least 5 particular times i could point out where a character where the scene cut as a character opened their mouth you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, like they had, to, so they must have had a longer film. I know the stuff was plagued with the studio was like, no, cut this, cut this, cut this, and they kept wanting him to cut stuff back. So he got a totally different film than the one he envisioned. Yeah, and I wonder how long the original cut is. Well, because like one of the ones that really stood out to me, there's a point where uh, there two of them. There's one where they they go into the hospital. I think for like the very first time, and there's like an old lady nurse at the desk. And they walk up and they're like, hello. And she's like, and opens her mouth, and then it cuts. And oh you're like, really? well, it was so dumb. Like, well, she's probably just going to say, oh, like, come this way. Like, yeah, right. Like, just like a greeting. Yeah, it, like, fucks the scene transition. And the fact that you see it, you're like, what? wait, she was going to say something. Right. Even, even worse was later. It was the detective and the, like, guy who's working for the science government corporation oh, company yeah or yeah something. yeah the guy with the horrible beard yeah, yeah not him but it's a, it's the guy who's like working for that guy oh yeah yeah, yeah the yeah. one that he like tells that he has to like get the fucking baby or whatever um so that dude's like talking to the cop and the cop says something to him and then he turns and opens his mouth and it cuts and you're like dude yeah so that's like probably pretty pivotal dialogue. It could pivotal, be. Like pretty important it, it was probably nothing, you know. honestly. It was probably nothing. Yeah, but I mean, based on the entire movie, it's definitely yeah. nothing. But it's just, <laughs> but it's weird, and it stands, it stood out to me, just like, oh, okay, so there was obviously more there. But uh, while that, like, like there's another example here. I'm going to describe to you what I saw in the movie, and then I'm going to read to you what it says on Wikipedia. So, I'm watching the movie, right? And, uh, so the dad is in the hallway in the hospital, and he's like looking at the babies in the you know baby viewing <laughs> room, whatever yeah, that you know. Weird. That that stereotypical stereotypical that uh, tropey thing that they always put in movies yep. and TV. And all of a sudden, like there's like commotion, and then these like I think some guys run out of like the back area where his wife is, and they have blood on them. There's you know in their scrubs, and they're like freaking out, and they try. He tries to go in towards the room. They like hold him back. But he gets away, he gets into the room, and there's just bodies everywhere, people dead. Uh, and in the Wikipedia article it says, Their second child, a baby boy, is born monstrously deformed with fangs and claws. Immediately after the birth, one of the doctors attempts to suffocate the child. The child kills the doctors and nurses and flees through a skylight. But none of that happens on screen. It is relayed to you in dialogue later in the film. Yeah, what the Somebody fuck? Somebody says... Oh yeah, the doctor tried to kill it, but then it killed him, or something like that. It's not; it doesn't happen on screen. Yeah, that's so weird. So like, like you like just kind of yeah, and there there's just a whole bunch of and and then it like cuts away so much without giving you time to like chill out and relax. Yeah. Um, and yeah, things go zero to a hundred throughout that whole movie too. Right, you don't have time to process stuff before it's moved on to the next scene. Like it definitely felt like they like accordioned it up together, and we're like, all right, cut a bunch of shit out, make it shorter, make it you know, I think it's like an hour ten or whatever, like hour thirty. So yeah, like cut it down to something, something and, and and we'll deal with it from there. Right, right, right. Um, but so it because it's basically about a PR guy who has a a, a monstrously deformed child and 
and it ruins his life. Um, but then, <laughs> well, because like there's even that scene. One of the one of the scenes. There's that guy who's like his boss, and he's like goes in to talk to him after it, and the, he like basically like, hey, you should take some vacation time because you know this whole your baby's killing people thing. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and and in the conversation, he's like, oh, you know, Phillips. Uh, He's got a R-worded kid over there, and I was just like, "Whoa, that is a w- like," and it's like, a "Nobody cares about that." Like, and it was like <laughs> comparing s- having a kid with like special needs to being like a monstrous Dude, demon yeah, child, a demon <laughs> murdering people across right. town. But so I was like, "So, what's the theme of this movie?" Yeah, what do you? What yeah. do you think the theme of this movie is? Dude, I honestly couldn't probably put a point on a theme of this. Like, a, a if you had to, though. Uh, it seems very family oriented for me, and I don't know how th- I would put that in the word for a theme, but like, it seems like a pinnacle of the story is the family kind of coming to terms with the fact that their kids fucked up, and they're just right becoming a, like but getting acceptance to it. But there's also the whole subplot of like the evil guys with the wanting to <laughs> they want to weaponize the baby yeah oh, you know uh, like yeah, they never like, say that sadly i was waiting for that line but they're like totally want to weaponize the baby or something It kind of reminds me of uh shape of water <laughs> where like why <laughs> <laughs> well, because like the no, like uh, there's like viewers this plot be, sorry like <laughs> li- <laughs> listeners no one had sex with the baby yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay yeah let's get that out of the way real quick nobody had sex with the demon baby but in the sense where like a plot that you're kind of showing most of the time is the the mom being upset right. that people want to kill the baby and like it's just sort of a very family driven thing where the dad hates it and then the dad comes to love it at the end kind of I I don't know but well, um they all they all do but then there's that uh, then there's that subplot like you said of the fucking scientists who want to study it and contain it right. and figure out what the fuck it's doing it's kind of like the shape of water where it's like the girl trying to like humanize this fish but then the russians also want to take it yeah. to turn it into we'll like this, the yeah fish exactly man. it's a pretty similar kind of the sexy fish man yeah <laughs> yeah i couldn't believe i've I'd never I, I actually uh, want to fuck the fish from shape of water yeah i don't what a I don't terrible know. world we live in well you know everybody's allowed to uh want to fuck the fish no they're not shape they're of water <laughs> if they want they're to. not allowed or not sorry it's i uh don't <laughs> i am anti fucking the fish but you're right about <laughs> what you you are right about how you want to fuck the fish no you are right about uh about that how it, it, but also like there's the other thing where the demon baby hypnotizes them a kind of like cuz the the baby comes home yeah. To the house. And it doesn't kill the mom. Right? And it knows. Yeah, and then the mom like tries to protect it and hide it in the house like the cat from <laughs> Goodnight Mommy or something. Yeah. And then the dad's like, No, I'm gonna kill it. And then the f- the the other son, because they have a they have another child who's who literally <laughs> they just the b- the demon baby's born and they like send their kid to their friend's house. Yeah, and some then guy. while the demon baby's like killing people, the dad's like, "Hey, whatever your name is, the guy who's watching the kid, he's like, yeah, make sure my son doesn't go to school, doesn't watch TV, or doesn't read the newspaper because I don't want to know anything <laughs> what that's the happening." Fuck, that that also they actually. So the whole movie happens while this kid's probably just sitting in a room, <laughs> alone, like doing homework. Pretty much, and they're like, "Not dog show this kid." Yeah, and he well, cause but then he does come home. He runs yeah, away from creepily. I think the guy's name is Frank from Frank's house, 
and he gets into the house and the breaks into the basement and he finds Demon Baby and Demon Baby's like <laughs> and and he's like I will protect you forever. And Dude, like, that was so weird. Yeah, like, so I give you my blade. Yeah, so <laughs> basically <laughs> I was like so the the guy is the demon baby is uh like able to hypnotize them or something like that. Cuz then like you said, yeah, then at the end of the movie the dad like it's like I was like trying to find the baby to kill it. So they're they're in like a chase scene. They basically find out the baby is like traveling around town through the sewers, of course. And so they just start like driving these police cars. It would have been so much fun if he was driving a car. Oh my god, yeah, seriously. Something but Or if they showed the baby just like running like down the thing. I do like that reveal that they're like, Oh my god, he's in the sewers. Yeah. But um so they they're going to chase him and they're basically trying to like kill this damn thing. And the the dad goes alone like through the thing, like leaves the police and the police are trying to find him. And he finds yeah, the baby. It's basically first. like exactly like the end of the third man. <laughs> yeah, it, honestly, <laughs> they, they run through the sewers. Yeah, it's almost yeah, it's and it's same like the same lighting, wicked long chase scene in the sewers, um, and then he finds the baby, and you're like, oh word, he's about to blow this thing to smithereens, and then he starts crying and telling him how, like telling the baby how yeah. apathetic he is about the situation. And he's not apathetic. He's like he's like I know I understand it's scary. Yeah, like, yeah. He's empathetic. Uh, empathetic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apathetic. <laughs> he's like I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Fuck you. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's the thing. Right. No, empathetic. Yeah. So yeah. then he starts like feeling for this baby, and, and then he's, like, he like he like wraps it up and he brings it outside. Um, and it's fucking flailing around yeah. like and a then, raccoon and, in the and, and then like like they like they copied this movie again in Die Hard. At uh, the end, uh, the baby like. Like a guy like goes, does the guy like pull out a gun on him or something, and then the baby like attacks it. So they all th- no, the baby d- I think just attacks the the evil guy. It's, it almost looks like he throws it at the guy. A little bit, yeah. I think he does. Actually. Yeah, to be honest, I like, think, I think he, he throws the baby at the guy because there he gets out of the tunnel with the with the baby, and they have him surrounded, and they're like, drop the fucking baby, like put he's the like, fucking no, baby he's down. A he's baby. like, no, it's my son, and he <laughs> won't do it. And then he just like throws the baby at the guy, and it just kills him. And then they just blow the <laughs> thing to hell. Everybody's just like, all right, guys. Good yeah, job. Word. All right, every good game, everybody. End movie. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Yeah. Well, and no, not quite. I know, because then, about another Because then, yeah, that's what I remember thinking. Then it just cuts to, like, him, like, getting his car. <laughs> yeah, they get in the car, and then, so, oh, yeah, so this is the setup of the second one. Yeah. When they, like, kill the baby, and then they're in the car, and then the guy driving the car is like, we just got word that another one was born in Oregon. Yeah, there's another one in and then it and then it ends. Philadelphia <laughs> it's or like, something. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, and and like, it, but I just think it was so funny that like all the cops just like shot that guy to death, and then they were just like, "There's literally nothing we could do." Yeah, they just get in the cars and they're like, right. "All right, bye, yeah. see you guys." <laughs> it definitely, it definitely uh, had shades of the next movie we're going to talk about, where it was just like. And then, uh, okay, now the movie's just over. Yeah. All right. Every okay. Well, it's not quite over, but it's kind of over. All right. There's the credits. Yeah. There we go. Like, yeah, exactly. It just it like limps its way to the end. Um, I personally think that aside from those themes we talked about, uh, I think it also this one goes after the drug industry too. So like the stuff was about food companies and how they market food and shit like that. This kind of did the same thing for 
drug companies. It just didn't go far enough because yeah, I think just, a lot of that got cut away. They just hammered it. Yeah, for whatever might might have got cut, might have been more of yeah. it. But like, like they just hammer it wicked hard in that one scene with the yes. doctor talking. Yes, like you need to take this pill. You got to take your pill. Yeah, he's like, like we can get lawsuits yeah. because we don't test any of these drugs and we send mm-hmm. them out to the people and everybody's getting sick and the drug companies control everything. It was like and the then it, and then it cuts scene. to the guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, it sounds the just end. Like, Whoa. Well, yeah, because there was another one with those the, with that that secondary evil guy. Because that's the other thing. that So secondary evil guy is the one we were talking about who gets killed by the baby. Yeah. Beard evil guy who runs down how evil they are like it's a Neil Breen movie. Yeah. He it just disappears from the movie. Yeah, he, d- he does that. Like, he just drops like, the yeah. bomb of dialogue. Right. And then it's just but like, then I'm it, out. I guess just like in another part of the world when the movie ended, he was just like, oh, well. Right. <laughs> like it just went on <laughs> with this evil <laughs> corporation or whatever. Right. But uh, so I found some evidence, too. There were novelizations of, sure. of the first film and its sequels. Oh, God. Okay. So they expound on the dangers of various prescription drugs administered to expectant mothers during the 1950s and 60s. Uh, Thialdomide was one of them. The use of fertility drugs, the indirect use of pesticides on people. In the story, the mother of the first mutant child had a history of taking combined oral contraceptive pills prior to planning her second pregnancy, whereupon she instead began taking an inadequately tested fertility drug to facilitate the conception of her second child. Right. Oh, so I forgot about that part at the beginning, too. Like, when you just mentioned the pesticides, the the guy who's, like, the exterminator. Yep. And, uh, yep. and he just, they talk about how he, like, them making extermination gases to kill cockroaches exactly. just made stronger cockroaches. Yep. And everybody's breathing in all the chemicals yeah. and, and people are eating the chemicals. And for the rest of the movie, you're like, what did that have to do with anything? Yeah, <laughs> it was, like, a super hard bomb of dialogue. And Frank is just, like, you guys are so boring, and then just walks out of the yep, room. Yep. <laughs> it was just like, okay. Um, so, what would you say are your final thoughts and score? Um, so, I give it like a 3.5. I think it's, um, I don't know if it's necessarily like an essential movie to see, mm. but um, if you're into that guerrilla filming style, um, it does have a lot of cool sort of, uh, low budgety, high turnout right. things in it. Um, cool story. Definitely a bit, a bit scary. Tis the season. Something oh yeah. to watch. You oh know, yeah. if you haven't seen it before, definitely watch it for Halloween. It was, yeah. I would say three point five as well. It's above average, but it's not quite like something I would watch again. Like it wasn't as in interesting as the stuff, mainly because it didn't have like the main character guy from the stuff with his bad southern accent and like it it wasn't as fully formed as sort of a satire like there's the stuff felt funny on purpose this this while it was scary on purpose and i like i said before i think that really worked it just really didn't do all that much else and i think i would have gone more if they had a better baby puppet and you got to see it more or if they just you know done some more with that i felt like the biggest problem with it was that the villain of the story was like absent from it so much but they did things to disguise the puppet like doing the first person camera they just didn't do it enough they could have done that a lot more like vis-a-vis uh halloween in michael myers where you see his his first person view and it's frightening because you're not able to stop him from doing what he's gonna do you know yeah and i don't know i just felt like it's not something that i would be like yeah go see this however i do think it is good enough you know yeah so. definitely i wouldn't i wouldn't tell you to turn it off no you know? no but i, I enjoyed but it. i wouldn't 
keep watching it if I scroll to pass it on right. TV, probably. There's not, yeah. like, other than the three or four hilarious lines, there's not a whole bunch, like, to laugh about. No. So, like, there's better scary movies if you want to watch a scary movie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so 3.5. So we're going to uh, take a, another quick break and then come back with a new thing, our cool movie of the week. Hell yeah. Which will only come up when we have a movie or two that have failed to meet our expectations. And there's another movie like it or similar to it that is cooler. <laughs> so we'll be right back with that. Outlander! talking about better calm down right? outlander maybe you don't hear so well cool our cool movie of the week the first cool movie of the week ever who can kill a child it's spanish it's a spanish movie so it has a spanish title that is that word but in spanish yeah i'm not gonna read it because it would offend the spanish language if i tried yeah i can't but yeah it was also released as island of the dam that's a pretty cool name mm. it is a 1976 spanish horror film directed by Nar uh narcisco ibanez <laughs> god i would just <laughs> ibanez <laughs> Narcisco Cerrador, uh, the film follows an English couple who find an island inhabited by maniacal children. Mechanical children. <laughs> maniacal children. Um, and yeah, it's I've seen it. It's pretty scary. It's basically like it's like um if they found the kids from uh What's that? What's that book with the, the the kids on the island? The boys. Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. Yeah. yeah. It's like they found the the Lord of the Flies kids, a la Children of the Corn. It's kind of yeah. because it's very similar. It's like people arriving at this place in the middle of nowhere, this island, and there's a bunch of killer kids on it, and uh, it's really scary. It's just a frightening, weird, interesting movie. So yeah. if you, like I do, don't think that Children of the Corn lived up to Stephen King's short story, then uh, I would suggest going out and checking that film, Who Can Kill a Child. It is much more what you would be looking for if you liked the short story. Okay. You ever seen a movie that just, like, ends? <laughs> the climax happens, and then like, the characters find that they're stuck in the middle of nowhere, and then they just sort of walk away. Like, the credits don't even give them time to finish the movie. The credits just start to roll. Like, it's pushing them off the screen. Like it's <laughs> they're getting played off. Yeah. Like, it's pushing you out of the theater. Yeah, like, they're getting the hook. Yeah. Like, it's like they're saying, hey, idiot, get the fuck out of my theater. You've had your fucking popcorn. You watched your little movie. Now it's over. The movie so insipid in its recreation of a truly frightening Stephen King story that before the credits even roll, it's basically just given up. Yeah. But we're not talking about the It miniseries. Boom! No, this week. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> no, I like Tim Curry, but that, that miniseries is not enjoyable to watch. Not, 
will. No, this week we're talking about the far worse than the It miniseries, Children of the Corn. This movie's fucked. Yes. Fuck this movie. Fuck this movie. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Right off the bat, <laughs> not <laughs> a fan of this movie. So, so I just, I we're throwing that out there. All right? Everyone is allowed to like the things that they like. We're not saying you're a horrible person if you like this movie. A lot of people who like this movie, I think, probably have a nostalgic connection to it because they watched it when they were younger. That's cool. That's fine. This is just a warning that we're going to talk a lot of shit about the movie. So if you really like it, you might want to just skip the rest of the this movie because we might say stuff that, or, you know, just like, just like take it in stride, you know, because I did not enjoy this movie. I never have liked this movie. I was kind of glad, though, that the group picked it because normally we get to like, you know, talk about how much we like stuff. We don't have as much time to talk about stuff that we yeah, don't. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while since we've talked right. about some uh, some real so crapshoot so movies. There's so there's your disclaimer. Um, Children of the Corn, advertised as Stephen King's Children of the Corn, is a 1984 supernatural horror film based on Stephen King's 1977 short story of the same name. Directed by Fritz Kirsch, film's cast consists of Peter Horton, Linda Hamilton, John Franklin, Courtney Gaines, Robbie Krieger, and Anne Marie McAvoy. Uh, it is set in the fictionist r- fiction. Fic- <laughs> well, that's a crazy <laughs> word, really. <laughs> Fictitious rural town of Gatlin, Nebraska. The film tells the story of a malevolent entity referred to as he who walks behind the rose, which entitles entices the children of the town to ritually murder all the adults in the town and a couple driving across country to ensure a successful corn harvest. Um, which actually that sounds like it's taken from the description of the short story because that's the short story. Did you hear what I said right there, guys? Uh, they murdered those two adults because <laughs> in the short story, they die. Spoiler alert, they do not die in the yeah. movie. What kind of disgusting, despicable. So uh, Linda Hamilton's in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck, Linda? What happened, man? Oh, God. I really was thinking that before we get a little too far. I was really thinking that watching this. It's like, what happened to Linda Hamilton? Like, what? Did she, like, piss somebody off? Because, like, she went from Terminator to, like, stuff like this. And then, like, Terminator 2 almost felt like it was, like, a revival of her and Schwarzenegger's careers in a way. At the time, at least. And people will think I'm crazy saying that. But it really was. Because they really hadn't done anything, especially Schwarzenegger, in a while. But it's just like, what happened to Linda Hamilton to to have her be in these these movies? I know. I wonder if they thought that this movie was going to be really dope. I think they did. <laughs> yes. I mean, I guess that's probably the goal of anybody making well, a movie like that. But like, there's things I like about it, definitely. Um, yeah. You know, they're just outweighed by the things I don't. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't know. They couldn't have cast a more fucking obnoxious kid courtney gaines um dude well yeah courtney gaines and fucking john franklin is oh da da. yeah oh my god he's so annoying yeah well john franklin has like some sort of disease or something and he's like an adult yeah I was, oh is he yeah he wasn't a kid shut and up he's got like he's got like the andy millinockets thing uh, maybe shut up i don't know i think i think that might be it you what Let's figure it out. All right. I would say I feel bad about making fun of him, but I don't give a <laughs> yeah, fuck. Yeah, he definitely wasn't a child. Well, He whatever. was an adult because he is John 60. So uh, he is a 
growth hormone deficiency. He is barely five feet tall. So. Well, well fuck actually, him. He's I was going to say, Isaac's one of my favorites. And I actually like Isaac. Really? Well, I mean, he's yeah. perfectly cast for that yeah, exactly. role. But, like, and God, he's and annoying. Like, the opening, the opening of the movie is awesome. I'll oh, get, that first yeah, scene in the diner? Yeah, when they kill everybody, that's Yeah, that awesome. scene is sick. That scene is sick. It sets the pace or the tempo for a totally different type of movie yeah. than what you get. Yeah. You know, like... And I know it is violent still, but it's just not it's not nearly as violent as the short story. But we'll get to that. Yeah, let's get to that. Yeah, like Malachi like locking the door mm. uh, in the play like mm-hmm. that's a sick fucking start to a scene. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then it's just like all the, the kids murdering <laughs> the Yeah, adults. and then you hear like the mom getting murdered over mm-hmm. the phone yep. and stuff. Like I think that scene that is the best scene of the whole movie. Definitely. Definitely. By a country mile. Oh yeah. Yeah. No pun intended. Clo- I mean, like, I'd say the the en- the finale isn't too too bad, for even though it changed the ending, like, I- in its own. If you take that out of it, it's 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 fine for a finale. Like, I, I kind of like the scene where like Malachi turns on Isaac and shit. Like, there's stuff that's good about it, but yeah, the only scene that really feels awesome is the opening of the movie and then it just kind of gets boring for a while after that dude so fucking boring so why don't you hit me with them taglines yeah dude (laughs) we got some great taglines on this one uh an adult nightmare yeah like that yeah and a child shall lead them Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> uh, and then in their world, adults are not allowed to live. <laughs> oh God! They got that em. means they kill the parents. Yes, all the adults. That's what I read in the paper. That's yeah. what it says <laughs> um, So, it was uh, estimated budget was a little less than a million dollars, eight hundred thousand dollars. Um, its opening weekend in the United States, it made over two million dollars. And that was like March 11th, mm-hmm. t- uh, 1984. And its gross in the United States was uh, $14.5 million. Yeah. So it's pretty good. Um, if I already haven't made it clear. I don't like this movie. Um, it gets worse because there's like 10. Yeah, it spawned a massive series. Children of the Corn. It came out in 1984. Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice, followed by Children of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest, which is a which stupid is fucking name. It's also, I'm like It sounds like a Tony Hawk game. Yeah, it sounds like Leprechaun 3 in the hood. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. it honestly Urban does. Urban Harvest. I'm wondering <laughs> if that's what it is. When did it come out? 1995. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm uh, wondering. Children of the Corn 4, The Gathering, 5, Fields of Terror. Children of the Corn 666. Fuck that. Uh, Isaac's Return. He's back. And then uh, Children of the Corn Revelation, which seems to be like the seventh and then final one of that. And then there's like a reboot of the first one in 2009 that spawned its own set of sequels. Yes. Children of the Corn Genesis and Children of the Corn Runaway. Yes. Which is a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You were right. Ten. Ten. What the fuck? And in Children of the Corn 666, Isaac's Return, don't you worry, your pretty little heads out there in movie land, jo- John Franklin makes his return. Oh, triumphantly, yes, does Isaac he? Isaac does actually return. Wow, so I was in the 666, that's proper. Yes, I was concerned about that. 
<laughs> personally. <laughs> On Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of, I told you guys, 36%. Based on 25 reviews, with a rated average of 4 out of 10. The site's critical consensus reads, Children of the Corn's strong premise and beginning gets shucked away. Boom! <laughs> For a kiddie thriller that runs in circles. Damn, that, that reviewer was like, I, I just leveled them with that shucked line. <laughs> <laughs> they are <Bodied>. destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Um, Roger Ebert from Chicago Sun gave the film one out of four stars and said, by the ending of Children of the Corn, the only thing moving behind the rose is the audience fleeing to the exits. <laughs> and <laughs> me, Kevin, I said, it sucked. Very eloquent review. Boom. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, movies that came out on the same day as it, March 6th, or March 9th, 1984, um, was Splash. And uh, the Hotel New Hampshire yep. uh, around that time was Repo Man. This is Spinal Tap, which is great. Uh, Romance in the Stone, which is great. And Footloose, which is yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, I like. I actually do like the Romancing the Stone and the other one. I forget it's called. It's like the Jewel of the Nile or something, maybe. Yeah. They were pretty good movies. Yeah, Michael good Douglas, enough. he's not too, too bad. I just watched that movie you got for me, Black Rain, the other day. I that haven't was, watched that's it. I'm fun. Pumped. It's fun. Fuck yeah. It's interesting. Um. Repo Man is another one of my personal favorites. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it. It's good. Uh, so maybe one day we'll, we'll yeah, throw we'll that we'll on there. We'll keep that in mind. Um, in music, don't where... Don't play this song. Oh, I'm going to play oh this song. Are fuck. you kidding me? Oh, my God. So the year was 1984, and if you weren't listening to Van Halen, then you were a, a pencil neck geek, I guess. This was the year of Van Halen, Von Halen's triumphant return to the airwaves with one of their worst, cheesiest, silliest, dumbest songs, Jump. I fucking hate this yes. song. That, yeah, this is one of the, I don't have many songs that are in immediate change the radio station, but if I'm in the car and I just hear that beep, 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 beep. I'm like, oh, no. Like, Man, you just got to roll with the punches. Dude, no, I can't do real. it. That song is really <laughs> bad. I almost <laughs> walked around Beverly with a fucking okay. like, petition or like a sign. I just wanted to do a general consensus of how many people actually like that song. Whoa, 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 Dylan. You, hey, man, you got my back against the record machine. Yeah, no. Oh uh, yeah, no. It's it's one of those things that I feel like I know every word to it because I've had to been forced to listen to it somewhere so many times. Yeah, it's it's an unavoidable song. And I don't even it's like I don't everywhere. I don't like Van Halen necessarily, but I don't like even this. I don't think they're not a good group in some aspects. Mm -hmm. Like I really like that song Unchained. Oh shit, that song is fucking good. But. Like, I feel like with, like, so many people are like, oh, I like this band, and I have to like every song by them. I'm like, no, I just like certain bands and certain albums, or yeah. certain songs, I mean, and certain albums from some certain bands. But, like, like I, that doesn't mean I think they're, like, I have to listen to all their shit and like all of their shit. You yeah, know? there's plenty of people that I hate exactly. a bunch of their music, but I love now, all their other music. Someone that I would not say that about, though, is our next artist, uh, Lionel Richie. Hell yeah. With his classic, Hello. Great song. Um, yeah. With it's probably it's probably my favorite music video of all time. <laughs> you <laughs> probably know this music video. It's the one with the ugly giant clay uh, Lionel Richie head that a blind girl makes for him because it was a tie-in with the movie Ghost. Mm -hmm. So uh, it replays events from the movie Ghost. Yeah, which is a pretty fun fact. Yeah. So I think there's even like a, there was in that commercial with uh, the, what's his name? 
Chance, the rapper. Oh. The Doritos commercial, I think they even made a joke about the, the ugly, like, Lionel Richie head. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I don't think I've seen that commercial. Yeah, I highly suggest um, that checking video. that video out because yeah. it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, please do. It's also one of those, like, early when music videos started to become, like, little movies for the first time. Like, Michael Jackson, people like that were doing these, like, five-minute intros to the five-minute song. Right, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like Thriller and shit. Yeah, Thriller changed the game. Yeah. Um. So in video games, 1984 was very good to video games. We saw the release of probably one of my favorites of all time, Tetris, uh, as well as Karate Champ, Boulder Dash, 1942. In March, IMDb released the... Uh, IMDb. IBM <laughs> releases the IBM PC Junior in an attempt to enter the home computer market. It has improved sound and graphics of the original business-oriented IM, IP, oh it again. <laughs> IBM PC, uh, but it is a commercial failure. Hasbro acquired Milton Bradley, and, oh, I already said that, but yes, Tetris was first created for the Electronica 60 in the Soviet Union. In the fucking Soviets. Hell yeah. So, this is a Stephen King uh, movie. Yeah, so we like Stephen King. Yeah, and so we got to talk about Stevie himself. Hell yeah. That's he wrote, Mainer. Yeah, he wrote a script for this based on his short story. Um, the executives at Hal Roach Studios did not want to use his script, and George Goldsmith was hired to rewrite it. Goldsmith said that King, King's script started with 35 pages of Bert and Vicky arguing. And that continued. And that was all in the car. That was all the first 35 minutes of them arguing before they actually run over that kid who was trying to escape. Yeah. Um, so he decided to tell the story visually through the eyes of two new characters and created the characters of Job and Sarah, who are not from the short story. Uh, King was obviously unhappy with those changes, um, but eventually Hal Rowe Studios sold the project to New World Pictures, and they decided to go with Goldsmith's script and they tried to remove his name from the credits, however, in favor of King. So they wanted it to say that it was written by Stephen King yeah, in the to credits. Yeah, those fucking viewers. Yeah, even though assholes. it wasn't. Um, I think that's crazy that he wrote his own script to it. He wrote a script based on his own short story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the production company's like, nah, no, I don't think that's fuck right. Fuck you. No. <laughs> well, I mean, we, s we recently, uh, what is it, two episodes ago, we talked about the Shining. Yeah, and true. That went through the same thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, interesting. You know, well, last Stephen King one. Yeah, but also, you know, if would we feel the same way if Stanley Kubrick had been the one or someone of his, you know, stature or whatever in the movie world had been the one rewriting this and made it something great? Like that I think that's the difference is that like, you know, in this particular case, I think Stephen King's story as a short story is better than the movies yeah. what the movie decides to go with it but and i guess maybe we, sh we should just talk about that right now to kind of get that out of the way yeah. because i know a lot of people have seen the film so the basic plot of the film is that these two people are coming down the road now you already know this town something has happened but you start kind of coming into story with these two people and they're uh they're like really close it seems they have a pretty good back and forth um Eventually, uh, a kid is in the middle of the road, and they hit him. And they're like, oh, shit, that's fucking crazy. Uh, 
the dude looks around for a little bit. Eventually, they're like, all right, let's get out of here. Uh, they drive down the road some more. They run into this guy at a gas station who tells them to stay away from Gantlin or Gatlin or whatever it's called. And uh, then they leave and they keep driving around and they keep getting drawn closer and closer to Gatlin until they finally get there. And they find out that all these kids are there. And uh, the kids, as we already know, have killed all the, the parents. There's no adults in the town. And it's like a ghost town. And eventually, they find out that the kids killed everybody. They get chased by the kids. It all turns out into them defeating the kids and getting away. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, surviving, which is very different from what happens in the short story. And I have several examples here. Um, why don't we just go back and forth with these? You can just go ahead and start. Yeah, so uh, Bert and Vicky uh, pretty much hate each other. Yeah. like They bicker. They argue the whole time throughout the, the short story. Yeah, and in the movie, that is literally the opposite. They are, yep. like, lovey-dovey. It almost becomes... A b- it's very similar to the Jack Torrance, Wendy Torrance relationship in the short story where it's like he's being drawn and they in the movie they did that a little bit like when they first got there she's like we should just leave and he's like no let's look around like yeah true but in the book in the short story it goes further with that where he's like almost being like enticed by this and he keeps being like well fuck you basically and like they keep splitting off from each other they're not really like together throughout the story gotcha whereas in the movie they are yeah they're with each other the whole time until she gets captured yeah um, so they have the, the corn crucifixes that you see a couple times in the movie. In the book, those uh, again end up getting shoved in people's mouths a whole bunch. A whole bunch of dead bodies end up with one of those in its mouth. Oh, does not happen in the movie at yeah, all. Yeah, which would be cool. That's a cool little, uh, cool indicator yeah. of children. And it would have been an easy thing to do with one of the people. Like the guy, who the gas station guy said, or other people like that, where it would have just been like, oh, look, crazy thing that's not that hard to do and not like wouldn't hurt the person all that much, you know? Yeah, right, right. Um, so the town in the short story, it seems like it's stuck in place in, like, 1964. So they're, like, walking around and, like, seeing all this shit. So clearly all this happened years past. Yeah, and 12 like, years ago. children are just living in it. Doesn't do any no, of that. It because literally takes place, like, it seems like it takes place, like, that day. It has to be in the same at least like the same year. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same week. Obviously, some time has passed, but like, because Job is kind of our uh, Job and Malachi are really our barometers for that, and it's their hair. Because in the first scene that we referenced earlier, they both have shorter hair, and then now oh, they I have didn't longer even hair. That. Yeah. So it's been like a month or two. I'm thinking at least, but at least a couple months, you know. Yeah. But it has to be the same year because they haven't aged at all, right. you know. Yeah, and exactly. this is <laughs> one of the big things here because oh yeah, I forgot to mention they sacrifice everybody when they reach the age of uh, nineteen. So, yeah, nineteen. In, that's in, what it was. in both, that's yeah. that's established in both at the beginning. Okay. Um. So Bert and Vicky seriously fight the whole fucking time, and like I said, some of that is left in the movie. Um, and, but, uh, oh yeah, also, Bert slits a child's throat in the- Jesus Christ! Sorry, yeah. The kid was attacking him. Um, and it's one of the older kids. But yeah, he straight up kills the child. Um, also, in the short story, Bert finds Vicky's dead body. Um, she's dead. Yeah, because she's dead. She's dead. (laughs) And then Bert dies. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Yep. Um, they get killed by he who walks behind the rose- 
and you actually get to see, you know, quote unquote, what you're reading. He who walks beyond the rose comes into the story and is uh, briefly sort of explained, but not really, not really completely, fully explained what he looks like and stuff. Yeah, but in the movie they sort of just explain him as this like uh, bigger being. Yeah. And and in the movie he's represented visually by a light. Yeah. Uh, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, a big tunnel. Yeah. Uh. So the kids get a bunch of shit from him because he wanted them to do what he said, and they they the same thing happens where like Malachi, uh, uh, is chasing them and, and captures Vicky and stuff, but Malachi doesn't try to attack Isaac or take over or sacrifice Isaac. None of that happens. Jesus. Yeah. Um, but he does order, he who walks beyond the rose, I mean, orders that the age be dropped to 18. And that means Malachi and all the other 18-year-olds end the story by walking into the cornfields. You get a, like, point of view inside the mind of uh, Malachi's wife, basically, who has uh, given birth to his kid. Yeah. And she hates the corn, and he who walks beyond the rose and wants to destroy it but knows that she can't. And the way that the story ends, I'm not even kidding, is that the corn is happy. It ends Dude, with what? a simple statement that this corn surrounding Gatlin is pleased. Which, like, again, fits into it because the whole idea is that they're doing this to make the corn happy. But my main point is that that is completely different from the movie and way more frightening and way more, like, like current today horror movies that are coming out where like the protagonist fucking dies at the end and then it's just like that's the end yeah like that's awesome i wish this movie could have been so good with literally the same exact cast but they just followed that story yeah if all that shit was in this movie maybe i wouldn't despise this movie yeah because that's not what happens in this movie this movie is like the kid friendly version of that that then gets the the player style hollywood ending at the end yep you know instead of being something really cool and interesting and sort of like Stephen King's Lord of the Flies, it's something really just not fun to watch. Yeah. Unless you already have loved it and watched it for years and have a nostalgic connection to it, you of know? Of course, yeah. There, there's just, I don't know. There, it's, it's, because like all around, it's not like it does anything particularly terribly. No, I mean, there's, the acting isn't bad. Like the, the theme is, e- like the story is easy to follow. Right. I don't know what the fucking theme is. Um, <laughs> killer kids. <laughs> yeah, like I don't understand. Like, yeah, I don't know if there's happy any sort of like moral resolve or anything. Mm. Like, I don't think any of that really happens. Like, well, I think they, they get Vicky and Bert <laughs> get in a predicament and they get out of it. I think that again, looking at the short story as sort of like a basis for it, I think it may have something to do with you know i mean we talked about this a little bit in the the shining episode stephen king's like frame of mind when he was writing in this era and like going through uh i, bl- I think it's we said that i don't know if it's right but he was going through a divorce or something and uh but he was definitely you know snorting coke and drinking stephen a king. lot yeah. yeah and and this Listen is a very ang- it's a very angry story you know like it's it's nihilistic in how it ends uh it's about two people who like hate each other being dragged down like once again it's very similar to the shining yeah um i again wonder if like bert is a stand-in for him at the time like jack torrance was 
because again it's sort of like a similar type of character it's like yeah he's a doctor i guess or whatever but that, that, that never really comes up much it seems like and, it, and he just kind of is a guy in a relationship and that's what's most important about it but i just think it's an angry like nihilistic look at relationships yeah more than anything which is weird because like it's the same thing as like the children's relationship with their parents um you know south park uh made fun of this movie in which uh, i don't remember that episode the wacky molestation adventure it's an episode where the kids lie about their parents molesting them until all the parents get shipped out of town and then two people come into town and the kids have a society run by cartman and i forget who's maybe kyle and stan or something right right, right. and uh they they all worship a statue of john elway that that is like electric (laughs) that electrocutes people because it's like like an electrical wire fell on it, so like, and it's the same thing. They like sacrifice the kids, and they reach a certain age and oh shit. Oh my god, yep. dude! It's 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 one of the best episodes. That and Cartman yells, "Outlander!" He does the whole. Oh, he does yeah. the oh, LA yeah. thing. Oh, oh man. yeah, Great. and basically, yeah, the basically the whole like second half of the episode is like the plot of Children of the Core in the movie. Oh, yeah. Essentially, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, I'm going to give it a zero. <laughs> no, just yeah. kidding. <laughs> I am going to give it a two, though. Yeah, I'll I'm give gonna, it a two also. I'm going to be harsh on this one, and it was not, it's not my, my favorite Stephen King. It's probably not even my least favorite, because there's been some bad ones made for Stephen King adaptations, but it is, like, it's just not fun to watch. Yeah, me, me personally, I don't really think it's worth watching. I think there are... Plenty of other s- movies based on Stephen King novels that you can watch, or there's plenty of other um, scary eighties right. movie or seventies movies. Right, because I just don't, know. I don't think it it like hits any of it doesn't check off any of its boxes except for maybe general creepiness. Like it's creepy. yeah, it's eerie as shit. Yeah, it's eerie, you know? but it's just not like the concept scary. of kids being it, like. Creating their own cult, sacrificing people is definitely a, a weird right. concept and I it's think a thrilling thing. But one of the problems the movie runs into that the story didn't because it kills the people is that the kids don't kill enough people. Yeah. Like in the actual confines of the story, it's like they do at that very beginning scene and then it's like they don't. For I guess it's interesting. The rest like of the movie. Right. Well, and it's like, I guess I, I do kind of got to give it credit where uh, it shows. When uh when Bert is lecturing the kids when he's in the middle of the circle and they're about to kill him and he's basically just giving them like a moral, like you can't do this. He's giving them like an ethical yeah. rundown of what they're doing. I'm your doing. dad now. Right. Yeah. And he's like talking about how like every religion needs love and this and that and all that bullshit. But like it it does kind of humanize the kids that you think are just these like brainwashed right. murderers because he does say all that shit and the kids are kind of looking at each other and they're like damn like maybe he's right they let him walk out the problem now i'm just thinking this now you say that i think the biggest problem with this way this is scripted is that he who walks behind the rose is real right yeah exactly because it's like so then he just let them leave because he was mad at isaac or some shit yeah like what that makes no fucking sense. yeah it would be it would be a lot better if the the he walks behind the rose just was not a thing 
Yeah, just exactly. Total if the kid, characters. yeah, if the kids, and the are kids just, are just making this shit up mm-hmm. to like control the yeah. other kids. Yeah, like, yeah, like Isaac and Malachi just made it up or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Right. It, because yeah, adding you get that this into blind it, following. Right. Unless at the end he showed up and killed them all, like it doesn't make any fucking right. sense. I feel like that's kind of where there's like a sort of religious tie-in or something to it, you know, of like faith being. Oh, he's true. actually God. You know? Yeah, they're like, holy shit! Like <laughs> their God does exist. With them. Like, whoa, yeah. holy fuck. Well, like, I wondered because, like, yeah, I mean, if didn't work, then the kids would just, like, walk into the corn and starve to death. Well, I guess they wouldn't starve to death because they're co- surrounded by corn. Yeah, fuck. I'd eat also, corn all day. Also, this was my other question. Okay. So, in both stories, this is for a successful corn harvest, right? Mm-hmm. So, because nobody goes there... It's obvious they're not harvesting this corn to sell it. Is that all they eat? Just corn. Just fried corn. corn. Just corn a, all the time. Corn. Yeah, popcorn, Side corn, corn, corn on the cob, corn, corn niblets, <laughs> frozen corn. They just freeze it because it tastes like frozen corn. Like oh just my because. God, yeah, I mean, like seriously. Nice I was like snack. that much. They would die. You can't live yeah, on just corn. Just shit straight corn all yeah. the time. That'd be brutal. Oh. Those poor children. Maybe that's what the one thing the movie got right then. That like twelve years of eating just corn, you would they'd all be just be dead. They're just driving to Gatlin and it'd be a ghost town. Right. You know, yep. at least the movie's like, Oh, they, if you ate all that corn, you'd only live a few months <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I wish there was corn in uh It's Alive. Because yeah. then I think there would have been corn in all three of the movies. Oh, you're right, because there is corn. Yeah, a little bit. And you say say. Huh. Yeah. Well, we'll have to get to that. That'll lead us right into. Yeah. So yeah, give it. I'm giving Children of the Corner two. Two. Yeah. So. Two. So thanks for making. So us watch that officially, that is the lowest rated movie that we have ever rated. Really? So far Fuck. On, on nice. The big show. Good. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Children of the Corn. Sorry, you could have been so much better. You should have listened to Stephen King because yeah, he wrote stunk. a better story. Yeah. Well, we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back for Good Night, Mommy, aka Ishse Ishse. So each say, each say, or I see, I see, which is a German uh, or Austrian uh, game, sort of like Peekaboo or I Spy. It's like a children's game. Also known in America as Good Night, Mommy. I really don't know why that is. Because Mommy's got to go good night. Mom's got to sleep. Don't wake Daddy. <laughs> it's a 2014 Austrian horror film. The film is written and directed by Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala. It was selected by the, uh, as the Austrian entry for the best foreign language film at the 88th Academy Awards, but it did not get one of the five 
or more nominations. Yeah, which makes sense because the Academy Awards doesn't give a fuck mm-hmm. about horror movies. It stars Suzanne West as the mother who is never named. Oh, yeah, true. I didn't even notice yep. that she was never named. Elias Schwartz as Elias and Lucas Schwartz as Lucas, a pair of two twin, Lucas? real twin boys. Lucas? Yes, and they are identical, even though I, by this time, I could s- I finally could tell them apart. I've, this is like the third or fourth time I've seen it, and I could finally tell them apart this right, time, yeah. every time. I was like, okay, now I know which one's which. <laughs> Though, <laughs> even even when they tried to disguise themselves later. But, um, yeah. Uh, so we got one tagline. One. And it's, a mother should look out for her sons. Mm. Feels like a dead giveaway. Yeah. Because I think... To go to go back to what you just said before, why is this called Goodnight Mommy? I think it was called Goodnight Mommy because they wanted to this whole movie was trying to disguise its twist. Which spoiler alert, there's a twist, but we're not at spoilers yet, so we won't mention what it is yet. Right. And it wanted you to think a different thing was happening. So the Goodnight Mommy is a shout out to the other thing. It's I think it leads you down a pathway. You're like, oh, the mom is is hor- is like you know the horror villain in this story you know because it sets it up that way and if you're walking into it knowing that the kids are the thing to look out for you're going to watch this movie totally differently so like i think it's it's almost sucks putting it in this category because it it both of you guys who had not seen it before you and olivia told me that you were like oh yeah i pretty much picked up on it immediately and yeah it's pretty I, quick when I saw it a few years ago for the first time, I did not. I, I went along with the mom being the bad one right. until way too far along in the movie. And then in, once it starts to become clear, because it essentially I feel like the movie tries to be like, mom's evil, mom's evil. Okay, really? Do you really believe that? Do you really think that this is, that's what's happening in this movie where nothing else like supernatural has happened? Because it's not, you yeah. know, <laughs> it kind of turns on you, but it still doesn't give you the full story until the very yeah. end. I and uh, when we get to it in a little bit, I'll tell you the exact scene that uh, gave it away okay. for me. Awesome. Yeah. Um. So I don't think we have a budget for it, but um, it's opening weekend in the USA, which was uh, September thirteenth, two thousand fifteen. It made uh, sixty three thousand dollars, yep. and then it made a little over a million dollars total in the United States, and then uh, total worldwide made a little over two million dollars. Yeah, so not very much, but I assume it probably had like a very small run. Yeah, like I think it was also a very low budget. Yeah, movie, and it's so. it's like when you watch it, it definitely feels like a film festival film. Oh yeah, like one that like you hear about at a film festival, and then you don't see mm-hmm. for like three years after that because it's caught up in whatever sort of production yep. company or distribution rights that yep. it, it has, you know. I, bought, I like bought this one at Best Buy randomly probably that year or possibly 2016, but it was just like there and I was like, oh, this looks interesting and I read the back and I was like, okay, let me check this out. So it was just a random purchase and I believe someone had been like, yeah, that's a pretty good movie. Um, So I just like was like fuck it it was like 10 bucks so i went with it and it definitely did not disappoint yeah i was um i was talking to my brother about this movie it, he's familiar with it i was not and apparently it's um it's a similar s- a story like this has been like adapted a bunch yeah of times throughout history like there's a lot of movies that are not like 
I don't want to say like reboots of this or like the exact same movie as this, just told a different way, but like right. a loose uh, theme that is pretty common. Yeah, like the unreliable narrator. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Where. Yeah. yeah like. Um, you're led to believe a certain reality for a certain amount of the story, and then it becomes clear that that is not that reality. Is a complete yeah. twist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a lot of times, unreliable. I mean, because obviously, unreliable narrator usually comes from uh, direct first-person narration in novels. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, a character that's I saying I, 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 and then essentially speaking directly to you. But has been lying to you the whole time. Right. You yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Because you're reading, you just take it as being, you know, because most novels don't do that. You just be like, oh, yeah, sure. That's what's happening. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it, it, it makes sense. You know, that's a way to rope a reader in because I don't want to say ignorance necessarily, totally. but your ignorance to what's happening outside of right. what you're being shown. You know, like this movie is mostly focused on those two boys. So you're they're your protagonists exactly you know they yep. forced you yep. to be the protagonist and that's the way i went with because it felt like all right so to describe what i guess kind of what happens you know you have this mother um who is a television presenter of some sort i think she works on the news they say because they they do a great exposition scene to to tell you who her character is by they're playing that game where you write down a name and and they p- put it on the person's forehead and they try to guess who they are, yeah, and they write "mama," so they tell they say a bunch of things that pertain to her, and she answers to give you, you know, I just think it's a great way of describing yeah. a character, yeah, with making it feel like it would happen. She wouldn't be able to just sit there and be like, "I'm on TV, pr- I work for the news, and you know, I'm on TV in Austria." Like that wouldn't make s- as much sense. As yeah, yeah, like the kids playing a game that also fits into our actual title, "I See, I See," where it's like part of this kids' game. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, so she has just gotten a facelift of some sort or mm-hmm. plastic surgery or something and is, has to have her face completely covered and has to have all like the shades and blinds drawn and cause sunlight will damage her and she has to put this like cream on and stuff. And the, she is also going through a separation from the boy's father and they are staying at a resort home. And this is something that's very, I only discovered it this time. When you look at, you can tell when you look at and speak German or read German uh, on the website when the boys find out that the house is listed for sale, that it's not like, that's like somewhere they'd go for like the summer. That's like their summer house. You know what I mean? So they don't live there all the time. They only stay there in the summer because okay. they're, yeah. they're wealthy, you know? Yeah. I was actually going to go back and look up what that, yeah. the whole website, I I mean, I figured it was selling the house. I didn't yes, realize that it was is like a that is what is going. I knew it that, but like even I didn't realize. It I was think a even arm. if you can read it, it's a little bit like unclear because it just happens fast. So yeah, if you're not yeah, really yeah. paying attention, you might miss like what the significance of yeah, that is. Yeah, it does. I mean, seeing that website definitely fuels the twist more. You know, like right? It keeps you keeps you on the kids' right. side. Exactly, but yeah. also if you go back and think of it from the other's perspective, it's like well that fits both stories you know it mm-hmm. fits whatever path you're you've decided to go if you're following the path that the kids are the thing to watch out for that the mom's the thing to watch out for it satisfies both and i think that's what this movie continues to do that mm-hmm. you can watch it through either lens up to a certain point once you know the twist becomes clear right, um, right exactly 
So the film generally received positive reviews from critics. It has a rating of 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Highest of the three today. Yes. And uh, the site's consensus reads, dark, violent, and drenched in dread. Goodnight Mommy is perfect for extreme horror enthusiasts or filmgoers who prefer to watch between splayed fingers. Yeah, there are a couple uh, couple brutal little scenes. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, uh, they like to do that thing where they cut from something mundane to something frightening. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. I mean, There's for the most part, I was watching it normally, and then I definitely got to a a cringe. Yeah, like it becomes I very did the, uncomfortable. I did the eye peak at one point. Yep, it becomes very, very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um. So the same day movies on the eighth of January, twenty fifteen, where were no same day movies, but around that time, we had taken three, Selma, and our weird movie of the week, the Scorpion King four, Quest for Power. Yep. Um. Music, uh, in the United States was fucking. Blank Space by Taylor Swift. Yeah. Um, we won't listen to that one right now. Probably no, not. I'm yeah. just gonna put in, uh, put in a little bit. I'm gonna I'm put in that song. Right I now. forget who sings that song. I'm gonna put in that song. It's like I'm not crazy. I'm just a oh, little. Oh hell yeah! Weird. Is that Matchbox Twenty or something? I don't know. I don't know. I'll just put that in. The yeah, back put that. I, like that <laughs> I like that one. Let's do that. <laughs> oh wait, um, no, that's Third Eye Blind. I think. Is it Third Eye Blind? Fuck yeah! All the nineties bands blend together at some point. But no, honestly, it's it's probably a smash hit song, and you know she's talented in her own world, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, in the UK, it was Uptown Funk by Mark Ronson featuring Bruno Mars. It's not by yeah, Bruno Mars. I never Mars. knew that actually. Yeah, I hosted trivia for a while, and we would do audio rounds, and you'd have to write like it'd be one point for the name of the song yeah, yeah. and one point for the artist that performs right. the song. And any time that Uptown Funk came on, people would get so pissed at me because I wouldn't give them credit right. for writing Bruno Mars. Because they'd be like, oh, it's Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. And it'd be like, zero. No, it's not. Oh. It's by Mark Ronson. <laughs> and it's featuring him. Sorry. That, that song is like such a weird... I feel like both Ray Parker Jr. and... Uh, and uh, oh, what's that other song that it sounds just like? Oh, um... Uh, Huey Lewis could both sue for that one. Oh, <laughs> it's just dude, yeah, I w I'm surprised that there isn't. Or maybe there wasn't. I didn't notice, but I'm surprised that there isn't some sort of uh, copyright. Oh yeah, thing probably. That song, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we included the Austria one because this movie is an Austrian yes. film. Uh, and it was a song that I don't like. It yeah, was, uh, hey. <laughs> yeah, what a surprise. It's Hosier. Yeah, Hosier. Ho Hosier. 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 Uh, it's that song, Take Me to Church. Gozer? That song sucks. <laughs> yeah, I fucking hate Take that song. Take me to church. <laughs> it's not Gozer. Ho Hosey. Hoser? Hoser. Hoser. Yeah, yeah Hoser. You know, it's funny. There's Hoser. another artist named Hoser, and he's like a, like a conservative country singer, and he does, he raps, too. What? He raps and then country sings the hooks. Oh, dope. And his name is spelled S-O, it's like H-O-S. I E R I think, and I discovered him because of that. This is awful guy, and I don't remember his name, and I don't want to give him any credit anyways. Fuck this guy, but he's like another right wing conservatives, but he gets shared in a lot of like memes and shit because he's just a dumbass. Yeah, and I forget ex there's one particular thing he went viral for. I forget what it is, but he he started a rap career off of it. Oh so they have God. this song that's like called like 
stand for the flag or something and it's so fucking bad Holy and it's like shit. the guy literally is just like and a homer the brave and the brahmin the free like he's literally <sighs> it's the that doesn't even my bad singing doesn't even do it justice how terrible his Fuck. singing is but say i'll give yeah. it a shot and listen to it but i'm not gonna do that so but like when i first saw it i discovered it because of this now dead podcast that i'm gonna shout out because i think people should still listen to it it's good it's called that awful sound um the guys who do it are all uh, the guy who did it is also on a podcast called minion death cult so check that out too but uh they did an episode on that song and so when i first thought i was like wait wait wait, are they talking about the same hoser like is that the take me to church guy oh he's also God. and it wasn't and i was so disappointed because <laughs> i was like damn i just wanted a reason to be like fuck that guy right yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. a fucking dumbass fuck yeah now we just have to say fuck that guy yeah, and two hosers and in, in he's just a canadian guy uh, the, this hoser? This hoser, yeah. Okay. Hoser. We'll call him Hoser 1 and Hoser 2. If you're like listening to this and you're a fan of the, the Hoover guy. Um, hoser. Who's I? Uh, tell us how to say his name. Gozer. <laughs> Please. <laughs> In video games, uh, Nintendo's portable 3DS console, the new Nintendo DS, came out. Which yeah. I have one of those and it's fun. Um, top rated games from 2015 included Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt, Bloodborne, no secondary title, Undertale, also no secondary title, and Fallout 4. Uh, Duke Nukem 3D Megaton Edition, WWE Immortals, and Resident Evil HD Remaster. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of sequels and stuff, but we did get, I mean, Bloodborne is a pretty cool game. I, I enjoyed it. It's very, very hard, and I'm not good at it. Um, and I'm not good at the Souls games in general, but it is fun. And Undertale is a super awesome game. Is it? I've never played yeah, it. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, it is, it is the most, maybe the most interesting game I've ever played. Honestly, no I want to tell you a quick little story about Undertale. In Undertale, gotcha. if you play through the game and you just kill everything in your sight. Like you just kill everything you come across, which is in most RPGs you might think that's what you're supposed to do. You will be so destroyed by the game because after that point you can never essentially you can never go back to the game the same way again you'll be constantly reminded of what you did by the game even if you delete your save file the only way to to get around this is to delete the game from your steam account which is basically impossible so you have to get another steam account and buy another copy of undertale on another account yeah or you will always be yeah because it's saved on your steam account what you did it just hangs the guilt over your head that you murdered a bunch of people so like that's just a small sample of how crazy that game is yeah it's a totally different type of game It, it like tests you mentally in ways i've never had a video game test me so Jesus. Yeah, big fan oh of that. Oh my god, it's got a ten out of ten on Steam and ninety-seven percent likes. I definitely give it. Oh that. my god, oh yeah. wow, so this is a serious game. From here on out, spoilers galore. Yeah. Um. Also, I mean, the the movie's co- uh, the theme's Killer Kids. Yeah. So that's so a big spoiler right there. Yeah. Like the whole the whole thing is like you don't know. 
again, spoiler alert. Yeah. You don't know that the kid's about to kill the mom until the right. the end. You know. Right. But so if you were watching this because you saw this podcast, you probably know that. Yes, <laughs> but you also you would. S- there's still another thing that that happens later that you find out that changes. Yeah, there a is a, there is a second, second twist. twist. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so basically, um, the film plays out as we kind of outlined before. The mom is is kind of be presented as like a draconian figure at first. She's uh the kids are both sort of um under her thumb at least in the way that the the film tries to portray it. But what's actually happening on screen is that the mom is ignoring uh Lucas. And uh to the point where she doesn't make him dinner or give him a drink that she gives the other son and 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 other things like that. She won't she's acting like he's not there. And to me that should be a dead giveaway, but f- when I first saw it it wasn't. It yeah, wasn't. it doesn't really stick out at all. Dude, dope. That was fucking weird. That was dope. Um, we were just supporting anyway. a live stream. Yeah. Anyway, what the fuck were we talking about? Um so about the not noticing Lucas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um So yeah, she does a lot of things that that make you think either that Lucas is like that Lucas is like in trouble with her or she's punishing him or something like that or she's just completely ignoring him. Yeah, I think like you're supposed to be kind of thinking that he's being punished because the way that his character is acting is very somber throughout the whole thing is a lot of like head in his hands sort of yeah. like twiddling his thumbs. It, it portrays him as like as if he's the twin that's like the quiet one and he like communicates through his brother. Yeah, exactly. You know, like so it seems innocent. Right, it doesn't right. seem like there's something mischievous going on. It just right. seems like that's how those twins operate. That's the way their life exactly. is, you know. So as the film goes on, uh they they constantly are, you know, at at odds with their mother. Uh at one point they find like a dying cat and they bring it into the house and try to like they put it under their bed and like try to like nurse it back to health. Uh, it it leaves and then they find it dead and they they blame the mom. They think the mom killed it. Yeah. Um. Let it be noted that these kids also have a big collection of cockroaches. Yes. Oh yeah. We should really point that like, out. Like uh, it's yeah. very unclear why at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems like what's also interesting is that it seems like Lucas is the one who's always associated with them, which should be another big shout out for our eventual spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, so they have it like so they find the cat and then they put the cat in a bunch of water in like a there's like a tank of it's water. It's like a fish tank. But yes, it's but like it's empty because they shows them pouring the water into Yeah, yeah. It's just there's know. no yeah, there's no sand, no yeah. rocks, no nothing. It's just a fish tank that they fill with yeah. water. And, and then they, they put, put the fucking the cat dead cat in, in there and then the mom like dumps all the cockroaches into it. Yeah, she is oddly calm about finding a dead cat right. in a tank in her living room. And like I she kind of walks yeah. in and looks at it and it's just like, huh. Is well, she's, she's at her wits' end again. Yeah. Again, I honestly at this point it's hard not to just to talk around the twist. So let's just get to the twist. Yeah, because all right, yeah, and then we'll Throw come back. There, the yeah. twist is that uh, Elias is is not seeing his brother. His brother is a manifestation of his mind. His brother is dead. His brother drowned, and uh, he doesn't exist. So, like, again, in all of those scenes that build it up, it becomes more it, – it becomes so obvious watching it again. Like, when they're they're playing that game we mentioned earlier with the, the sticky notes on their heads, and Elias 
uh, always repeats anything Lucas says that the mother responds to. Yeah. And that happens throughout the movie. Yeah, she exactly. She never directly speaks to, to Lucas or acknowledges him or doesn't or responds to anything he says that is not repeated by by Elias. Yeah. And it makes sense that, like, her character goes so hot and so cold so fast and so frequently. Right. There's times where she's screaming at this right. kid, well, and then there's other times where she's like, well, we're going to go back to normal. Everything's going to be fine. You know, she's at her wits end. Yeah, because, exactly. Because she doesn't understand what she can do at this point. Right. And, and she's also going through whatever, too. And right. Like, and she and even I reveals it at the near the end of the movie when she's like, I'll go back to what I was did before. I'll pretend he's around again. Like, so she was playing along at first. She was pretending that he was alive for a certain amount of time, thinking that was a way to fix it. And then eventually it started. That just gets yeah. way too deep. Because yeah. I think it's easy to forget how much of the, this movie, I mean, to skip to what I think the theme was, it's mourning. And, and, Definitely. And like what, you know, that's, that's at least one of the major themes. Um, yeah, like coping with Yeah, that, coping yeah. with loss, stuff like that. And they're both going through that in different ways. Mm -hmm. And it's it's interesting that like at the same time she's got this, you know, uh, she's had this whole new face, essentially. She's been, like, reborn yeah. as a person. Um, but so the boys are, like, investigating, and again, you're, you're, you're kept thinking that they're they're both real people. Yeah, they basically think that their mom got, like, switched out at the hospital right, or something. They, f they find a photo of her and another woman who look really similar and are wearing the same clothes. Yeah. Um, And so, I mean, eventually it skips to them... Uh, sharpening their their like crossbow darts. They have like a crossbow with like those you know suction cup darts, and they take the wood and sharpen it and make fucking real crossbow bolts. And they're like staying up at night waiting for the mom, like with a bunch of. They have like the door propped they have, so like, it a can't. Baby monitor yeah. in the room. They have a baby <laughs> monitor. They hid in the mom's room and all this stuff. And eventually, it goes to the point where they run away, and they go to like a town. And they talk to a priest, and they tell the priest. It, it, I think it's set up. They don't. You don't see them say what's going on, but it's like they want to talk to the priest, and then they're in the car. And they're like, "You're gonna tell the policeman what we said, right?" So like they told him what was going on, what they thought was going on. Yeah. And he brings him back home to the mom, and the mom gives you the first real huge shout out that something happened to someone. Yeah. She says. The accident, the separation. And that's all the info you're given, but it, you're, you're told, you know, an accident happened and that she separated, assume, I assume the first time I saw it, from the husband. Yeah. You know, and I think there's another phone conversation earlier that kind of shouts out that, too. Mm -hmm. my, uh, my dead giveaway scene for me, specifically while we're talking about, like, kind of yeah. leading into it, was the scene where she has um, – so is, is it Elias, the one that's alive? Yes. Okay, so Elias is in the room with his mom, and she's feel like it's behind a closed door, and she's filming him say, like, I am your mom or whatever. Oh, yeah. And, like, he's over and over again, and Lucas is at the door just, like, listening, and then she just opens the door and blows by him. And he, like, darts in. Yeah, yep. exactly. <laughs> like, at that point, I was like, he's yeah. not there. He's not really there, because she would have fucking snapped. Olivia called it in like the scene. I think it was the one where they were playing the game. Oh, the yeah, the heads up kind. Yeah, of thing. it was somewhere around there. You were like, "Wait, is one of them not real?" And I was like, 
oh shit. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I might as well just we say got yeah. We got a Sherlock point. Holmes because, over like, here. Well, yeah, because if I had kept saying no, it would have just become obvious. Yeah, at right. That no, point, no. Well, with keep you, watching. With you already <laughs> looking at looking for that, it would have been so hard to hide it at that yeah, point. Yeah, and honestly, it's probably but it, it's made it kind of more enjoyable when I found out to watch the rest of the movie knowing that that character didn't exist. I don't know, man, because the twist... The double twist got me. I mean, it still got me when they say, like when they introduce it. That's still a pretty right. hefty scene when right. the mom is like, "It's not your fault that he died and this and that." Like that's, I just think to solidify. I it think that's crazy. one of the biggest problems of that scene I mentioned earlier, where she says the accident. I think that if I had cut it or edited it, I would have edited that scene differently, so that like or shot that scene differently, so that like the kids were just watching them talk from outside, and you didn't. Get that piece of yeah, information. Yeah, you didn't hear. It. Yeah, it was like her and the church. Yeah, they right. like have like some sort of. Because like, I feel like maybe if you like hugged her, right? Because I, f- I feel like that's just like obvious, but then you don't actually get the clear cut. It wasn't your fault that he died until way later, you know. So like, it, it's it's weird because I was like, there's something weird here, you know. At, at that point too, she has now unmasked herself, and her she's now. I'm I look I'm your mom. Hey, I'm back. I'm not wearing the stuff yeah. anymore. And she's you know got makeup on and stuff. And that's honestly o- the only thing they did to the actress is they just put makeup on her. And they were like, yeah, now she looks different from when we make don't make up her to make her look like her pre uh, plastic yeah, surgery self. Like person. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. So so like I think at that point it's like they're jumping on. They're trying to play you on the line of like, do you believe this really? Like. And then pretty soon after that, it becomes clear that the kids are the bad guys. Right, exactly. When they capture her and tie her to her bed and uh, torture her. Literally torture yeah. her. It's um, insane. Yeah, they glue, they glue, glue her, glue mouth, her shut. mouth shut. That's it. Yeah, that's if you're watching this yeah. and like this scene kind of fucked me up yeah it was like they are uh they get this little pair of scissors and they're they really yeah because they realize that she has to eat yeah they're like oh <laughs> shit and they like cut open they start like cutting open the mouth of the glue and they fucking snip her mouth and it like blood burst Just a and blood pack oh dude yeah, yeah it yeah. definitely yeah. Ugh, it gave me they a also uh, i was like fuck that yeah uh, they did a bunch of stuff I with her mouth they they like they like put like a some sort of like metal like saw rope in her fucking tooth and were like sawing at her teeth. Oh uh, yeah, like what point, the fuck was that? They all um about? they like had like a like a piece of wood or a popsicle stick like propping her mouth open yeah. and oh, shit. Yeah. God, yeah, they were like just and then fucked. and then later later once okay so they go even further. The glue in the mouth was just the beginning of the gluing, because then after so essentially. Uh, she's in this bed, um, and she's trying to convince them that that. Uh, oh, and by the way, too, the boys are both wearing like creepy masks, or essentially. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, um, <laughs> like like children made masks, and uh, they're like interrogating her. Um, she is she's wet herself, and uh, oh, and wait, before we get to that, at one point she you get one of my favorite scenes because of how infuriating it feels, and you actually texted me something about that. All of a sudden, there's a there's a ring at the door, knock at the doorbell, ring doorbell. Oh yeah, knock. yeah, yeah. I don't remember Fuck. what it was, but yeah. And two uh, uh, first aid people 
are at the door uh, looking to collect money for like a you know some sort of fun drive. See the Red Cross. Yep. Like Red Cross. Red Cross yes, workers. That's what I meant. Yeah, so they show up and just knock on the door yep. and they're like asking for a donation. And they're like, Oh, is your mom here? And the kids are like, No. And the two Red Cross people are like, Okay, well we'll come in and wait they're for like, her. Right, we'll wait for her, yeah. And then they're like sitting at the table and they're just like waiting. And oh, and the at this point the mom has duct tape of some yeah, sort. Yeah, like tape. masking, or masking, not masking tape, tape, yeah. like some sort of tape over, over her, her mouth. mouth. So she's like trying to scream, but she can't. Um, and they just like hang out for a while. And then finally, fucking Elias is like, oh yeah, my mom has a fucking purse. It goes and gets it, I couldn't tell what it was, but it was a substantial amount of money. Yeah. Because they were like, oh, your mom really is giving this? And he's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what she gives every time. The normal amount. Yeah, whatever, yeah. yeah. And, and, like, what a little deceiving little child he is. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too. That the fucking Red Cross people don't address the other kid at all. Nope. He just sits in the background. But there's a, a couple of times where shit like that happens. Like, there's a point where. Yeah, but he's clearly in the room, and they're asking about, like, school and stuff. And they're right. only asking him. But, like, he's presented himself for the rest of the movie as being, like, shy and to the side. So, like, it makes sense in a way, too. There's also the thing where uh, the guy's bringing all the pizzas in earlier. And yep. uh, and Elias uh, walks in and Lucas is just standing there. So, like, you could believe that, like, the guy had already said hi to Lucas and he knows that there's two twins. So, like, he turns around and he sees Elias. He's like, oh, hey, what's up? You know yeah. What I mean? it, does, it seems normal. But, like, when you think about it. In the context of, like, he walked in the room and he just sees him there, even though he's not there. Yeah. In so many scenes. Yeah. Um. So she gets the tape off, but not in time. They leave, and uh, the boys go back to what they're doing. She's wet herself, as I said, so they make her get up and then tell her she's going to change the sheets. Um. And I thought this was interesting. In that oh, the scene, scene was pretty brutal in too. that scene... Uh, Lucas is holding the crossbow, but Elias is telling is like he is not. So, in reality, was Elias always holding the crossbow? And like Elias didn't walk over and take the candle from his brother, which we'll get to in a sec. But he actually had the candle in his hand the whole time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like he is. I wonder if he is both of them essentially in scenes. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. When Lucas does something that affects the real world, it's actually him the whole time, you know? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, it's weird as shit. And like yeah. the la the final scene, they kind of play it more as the single person. But right, cause I didn't they, even think about that. She tries to escape, and they have yeah, a rigged up scene booby trap. Yeah, in that scene when they have her change. And then they glue her to the floor. <laughs> yeah, that was super fucked. glue. That and scene where she they, where she gets knocked out and they glue her to the floor, that's a pretty brutal one, too. Yeah. When that, she like, trips. Yeah, she trips <laughs> at running out the front door, and you just see her, like, smash her head on the pavement, yep. and it cuts to black, which I love that kind of scene. I, yeah. For some reason, I've, any movie, like, that sort of fight scene, or I don't even know if it, you can necessarily call it a trope. Because it's not. But, but yeah. like, yeah, in an action scene where a character gets smoked in the head and it cuts to black. Yep. I love that. <laughs> character gets smoked in the head yep i love that yep that's yep. always just it's a great yeah it's, it's, it's a, a great, great transition period yeah, too. to show that someone has been knocked out too yeah because you like she, the next scene is she's reference. fucking tied to the floor you know right. it's not like they show right. them and dragging her in and they, like gluing her they don't just glue her to the floor well they show a little bit they show her first person being dragged yeah yeah but yeah, then yeah, yeah. yeah it comes back and she's glued to the floor and her eyes are glued shut yeah 
and she opens her eyes through the super glued eyes. Oh. And yes, yeah. we get our final scene where now uh, he's got some like gas of some sort that he poured in this tank with the cockroaches and the cat. And and when I was watching, I was like, man, just in all the shit that's been going on, nobody thought to clean up that fucking awful mess with the cat and the cockroaches. Yeah. But so he drops the candle in, he starts burning the place down, and he's like interrogating her for the last time. Wo is die mama, wo is die mama, you know? And uh, she's like, I'm, dude, yeah, I'm your fucking uh, yeah, mom. Yeah, she's like, I'm, I can't keep fucking Please doing this don't. shit anymore. Like, and she finally reveals what we've been waiting for. Like I said, you know, before, it's not your fault that what happened, he died. Not your fault he died. And. I'll pretend that he's alive again and all that stuff. And he's like, if you really like, cause he still doesn't believe that she is that, that Lucas is dead. He refuses to believe that, that Lucas is dead. So yeah. he's like, if you're really my mother, you'll be able to tell me what Lucas is doing. She can't. That's that Lucas is holding a candle to the curtain. So he walks over, like I said before, grabs the candle, lights the curtain on fire. And the house starts to burn as she screams. She literally it shows her start to burn. Too, yeah, which is she gets brutal. burned really brutally. Yeah. And then the both the boys, because he's still, you know, Lucas is still there for all intents and purposes for our view. They start to run out. And then we cut to the outside and it's the house burning and there's a fire, fire crew there. And yeah. it's obviously later. And if you watch carefully, you see a woman walking out by the fire truck. Yeah. I had to show her this again, too. A lot of people missed that. I saw it the first time, and I'm so surprised people don't notice it. Where the hell is it? It's the mom. What? The mom is walking out of the house. The mom that you're about to see at the very, very end. Wearing the same dress she's okay. wearing. Yep. Okay. The mom's ghost. I'll have to watch that. The mom. Oh, shit. Yes. Oh, interesting. So. Weird ending, too. The like boy, that very yeah, last The boys run weird. into the cornfield, and then they're reunited with their mother in a ghostly apparition. Yeah, in a past life. Yeah. Yep. And they stare straight into the camera, break the fourth wall, and just smile looking into the camera. Yeah. Now, what happened? What do you mean what happened? What happened at the end? What really happened? At the, in, af, at the what fire? Do yeah, what do you think happened to the, to the three? I mean, obviously the mother died, but what, do you th what happened to Lucas? What happened to, I mean, Lucas is dead, so what happened to Elias? I don't know. Did he die? I don't think so. I think he died. Do you think he died? Oh, yeah. She, Olivia doesn't think he died either. I don't either. think he died. He's just in the cornfield imagining that they're both there. Would it make more sense that he also, that fire, a child he couldn't True, have gotten yeah. out of there in time. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't really make sense if he, he would have, like, because he was just like all pissed at his mom or the fake mom. So why would he be envisioning them all together? Because they've, they've died and gone to the next life, I guess. They're right. all ghosts or something now. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's it's an interesting way to end the film because it's an, an interesting interpretation can be taken on m multiple sides. You know, I personally definitely think he's dead because I just don't think a kid could get out of that sort of fire. That's a like really no way out sort of fire. Like the smoke alone is going to cause you to fucking start having problems breathing like immediately. And then, yeah, you know, if yeah, you I guess you're looking at it as out, a reality. Yeah. yeah. And then if he did get out, like, yeah, where's he going to go? Where's he go? Yeah. To jail. So, or even if he got to town, like, and it just, to me, it's like, why do you put that scene in at the end if he's not also dead? Right. Because th at that point, he's not 
it's it'd be different if he walked out of the cornfield and saw both of them looking at him. It's the fact that they all kind of they both join their mother. Okay. That sort of feeling is yeah. like he's finally come to p- they've all come to peace. Yeah, I like that take. Yeah. It's yeah. also a weird way to end the film though, like with w- everything else that happened. Yeah. It's like weirdly optimistic yeah it's about like what so happened. sad and violent and like pretty manipulative the whole time and then, and the then there's like just this happy like thumbs up. yeah smiling at the screen and <laughs> yeah. it ends and you're like wait a minute i was okay. just like cringing and freaking out yeah. for like an hour yeah so uh what do you think the theme was um yeah like to round it back to what we started that on i think it's definitely like uh like grief mourning yeah. Uh, coping with loss. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I also think isolation is a big theme, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's a really small, it's it's pretty much just the three of them the whole time. Yep. There's really not a lot of dialogue and there's not a lot of different settings. Yeah. We can play count the cast. There's them three. There is the two uh, Red Cross people. Yep. There is the guy who brings the pizza. There's the guy on the farm. Yep. There's the guy burning stuff in a field yeah, and yells at for them. for some reason. Which is another, I like that touch too because he's probably yelling, hey kid, hey one kid, yeah, singular, right, right. get out of here. Right. But you can't hear it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that guy. Uh, the the sexton at they meet at the church and the priest who drives them home. And then finally, the weird guy playing the accordion in town just being like, blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, yeah, weird. That was very strange. Yeah, just to it. And but yeah, like this empty ass town out in this. Now I actually looked up where they shot this, and so this is a town in like northern Austria. So it's very close to Germany and uh, and uh, the Czech Republic. It's basically almost in the Czech Republic. So a lot of people up there speak different languages than German. Than just German, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's there's very tons of weird, different dialects. Yeah, it's an yeah. interesting area. Um, so it's also for them, it is like sort of like the country for Vienna, and they do say at one point they're from Vienna, the city, the capital. Um, so it's it's there's little things that I think point out some of the other little themes, and I really think that it's sort of like uh, isolation or like going into the wilderness is another theme because there's also the thing where like she like. I think it's a dream. Yeah, actually. I think that's a dream that she's having when she runs into the right. woods she and like takes off the bandages. Yeah, she takes off all her clothes and the bandages. And then her face just starts yep, shaking yep. like crazy. Yeah. I thought that scene was pretty sick. It was. It, it, so there's some other stuff like that. And obviously the boys run through the woods to get to the town and, yeah. and shit like that. But uh, I was a big fan of it when I first saw it. And every other time I've watched it, it, it always provides the same level of enjoyment. It's one of those rare movies that I'm like, Every time I watch it, I'm like, yeah, I really like this movie. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, I give it a five. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. I definitely think it's in the canon. Um, it sucks because I really don't like the title of the film, personally. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't when I was telling people I was watching it or talking to other people about it, I was not referring to it as Goodnight yeah. Mommy because, I don't know, that's just well, weird. I like the idea of the, the Goodnight Mommy to me. You, asked, you started this off by being like, what's that about? And I'm like, well... Because it's like about the mom and how the mom's like supposed to be the monster and that's supposed to trick you, and I think that that's the problem with with that is that each say each say, as I said, is a children's game that you play, sort of like uh, I Spy, essentially is what it is. You know, I see, I see, what do you see, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. I see, I see something that is green, and they look for something's green. You know. Yeah. Um. So. The fact that that is being equated, that this movie's events are equated to a children's game, 
is a much more interesting title that I think you could talk a lot more about than Goodnight Mommy being like for the cheap thrills. Yeah, you know, yeah, and it definitely. definitely feels like what they do. They didn't be like, oh, I called. I see, I see. No one's gonna. They're gonna. People are gonna be like, yeah, I see, I see. I don't see that yeah, movie. Right. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. You know, they, like that. That's so. I, I guess that like uh, that's probably why they did it. But I personally, I like the. Yeah, the I think it's great. Title. Definitely go watch it. Yeah. It's a five. Um, so my order of the movies for the week are obviously as we listed them. Yeah, this is the best yeah. one. Uh, Children of the Corn is the worst. And, and, and It's Alive is right in the middle. Yeah, it's alive yeah. smack dab in the middle. Yeah. But so this one, I think, it's safe to say, is a good margin better yeah. than Bullets. So this one, I, I was we were playing the favorite kill game for the last few episodes, but this one doesn't, these episodes don't really have enough kills overall. But uh, So which movie out of them all had the best like kill or death in it, do you think? Like what death was the best out of all three movies? Um... I think my favorite death was uh, in It's Alive when the the guy who's watching the son comes to the house. He's trying to chase yeah, the kid yeah. down. It's like this fucking poor, innocent guy who's like a friend of the family. He's just like watching that kid for them. And he's trying to track him down. And he shows up. And then that fucking baby <laughs> jumps out of him yeah. and kills him. And then <laughs> Frank's just like, look at what your son did to him. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just cut to the next scene. Yep. <laughs> I like I like that one. I also really like the final kill of the bad guy in that one, where yeah, the cops <laughs> just unload on him. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah like, and, and they shoot the like baby. Like ten too, cops yeah. just yeah. firing point but, blank. Uh, <laughs> I gotta give it to each uh, stage say with the mom getting burned. That yeah, that's that's a great yeah. kill. I mean, it was obviously like a totally CGI'd up, but it was really good. And it was fast enough that you were like, oh, whoa. yeah, it's like holy yeah. shit. Yeah, I was like, oh man, yeah. the house is on fire. Oh my yeah, god, mom's like on fire. she's on really fire. On fire. <laughs> Yeah, and she was like screaming yeah. and like yeah, yeah. pretty brutal. Ugh. So, yeah. uh, so thank you once again, dear sweet listeners, for listening to another episode of My Movies Better. We will come back next week for another episode uh, featuring Go. And uh, my pick for that is uh, another. We actually just covered Onibaba in the last episode, and we're gonna go right on with another film by uh, same director. Uh, Kura Neko, which is a film that he directed, I think, two or four years after Onibaba. So it'd be cool to like look at same director's uh, progression of films uh, so close to each other. Yeah. Um, I picked The Others yeah. in 2001. Um, pretty fun movie. I like it. Uh, we're going to get into it next week about how much fucking words there are. Yeah, lots <laughs> of dialogue movie. in that movie. Um, and I believe the group pick was Beetlejuice. Uh, yes, it was. Was it? Okay, so cool. That's been the highest one, so might as well go with that. Now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it seems like that one's not going to yeah. get beat out right so now. So. Cool. I I'm pumped up. I haven't seen Beetlejuice yeah, in a long time. Me neither. I love but that movie. I, I did watch Candyman last night. Oh, hell yeah. And Candyman's I, dope. Yeah, I always forgot that uh, Candyman has the same... The, you got to say the name multiple times. Yeah, and then it, yeah. yeah. Candyman, I always Candyman, forget Candyman, that part Candyman, of, yeah. of it. Dude, dude, don't do it. What the hell's wrong with <laughs> you? Look at it. No need to leave yet. Yeah. You are not content with the stories. Yeah. So I was obliged to come. Yeah. Be my victim. Yeah, on that note, I'm out. <laughs> See you yeah, later. Run. Candyman's here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so sorry, I just yeah. uh, looks like the podcast is over. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> we're well, gonna get killed. Yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Victim. <laughs> be your victim. L O L because of the bees. Uh, anyway, thank you, dear sweet listener, for listening once thanks. again. Wow. And, uh, like us, join the group yeah. on Facebook, do rate, subscribe, do, do all thing, that stuff. Do the thing. And uh, good night, good luck, and go fuck yourself. Fuck you. Goodbye. Who can I remember way back when when the mega powers were bonded? Yeah. You made a yeah. You made a lot of promises to the macho man, didn't you? Absolutely necessary. When you're down and out. Yeah, you gotta get in your grandstanding and your hot dogging. That's the kind of rules I play by. I was doing real good, yeah. Dogging in. You man, you Hulk Hogan, yeah. You just couldn't stand to sit back with your feet up and watch the champion in action. Yeah.